The snap of the breaking bone had not been loud. Not loud, but it had been very loud. Huge, but not loud. Just enough of a sound to slit through the red fog like an arrow. But instead of letting in sunlight, that sound let in the dark clouds of shame and remorse, the terror, the agonizing convulsion of the spirit. chilling it is indeed it is <laughs> <laughs> well hello there duck this is the we read books podcast ayo and we read books obviously <laughs> and then we talk about them for hours and hours and it's the best <laughs> one right it really is <laughs> Full disclaimer, Dakota's painting downstairs. Uh, if it's if you hear it like that. Just know it's a man hard at work. Yeah. He's redoing our living room so that we can put up our Christmas decor. Woohoo! And he's on a deadline because that is happening today. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he really he really is crunching down to the hour. <laughs> yeah. So well, and you know, when you embark on a remodeling project, you have a plan, but usually things happen and you have to go here and there and it's right. never a straight path. So it's, it's, it's a little ADD, like mm-hmm. side quest. It is. Yeah. <laughs> path. Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> Cause originally that started with just replacing the floor. Right. But then we get the walls. Then the, the old trim, why would we, if we take it off, why would we put that old gross trim back? Right. Especially when we had trim. Right. And then so when you put new trim, what are you going to leave old gross wall paint? Yeah. No. Yeah, you got to yeah. paint the walls. Yep. And our windows <laughs> were kind of like scratched up. And so it's like, well, if we're going to have new floor, new trim, new paint, we need to paint the windows as well yeah. so that they don't look raggedy. Yeah. And so here we are. <laughs> it's going to be beautiful. <laughs> it already looks really nice. And he's doing a really nice job. That's awesome. So. Well, the lovely woman across from me with the new floors and the great new paint <laughs> job in her living room, that is mad. <laughs> and our opener for today is Wit. <laughs> she opened us up with the chilled to the bone quote. Oh, yeah. That one is one of the first quotes from the book that I like. I felt like I had to mark it. I was like, this is Stephen King writing right here. This is this is an example. Like, this, yeah. is, this is a big deal. Yeah. Mark it. It, <laughs> it really, it, the way he, like, describes how the bone breaks, it's loud but not loud. Yeah. It's big. It makes sense when yeah. you read it that way. Yes, it really does. It, it really does. It definitely shows that he is a master of the words. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. He, he writes some good prose and but then also shocks you right he likes to throw a little zinger in there every once in a while that you're like hey where did that come from sir you're like whoa (laughs) you just interrupted me right (laughs) (laughs) well since we're kind of talking about it before we get to our social channels this week we are discussing a favored chiller Mm. the shining the shining yes uh, I think I've said before, this is my first read of a Stephen King book. Yeah. I've watched movies based on Stephen King things. Mm-hmm. This is my first time, like, reading a Stephen King. Yeah. And I really like it. And I understand now why 
he gets upset when people adapt his stuff because I don't know that they do it correctly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Which most things we've discussed, they don't always capture what they should. But yeah, but yeah I, I really, Stephen King's, he's, he's a good one. Yeah, this is my first Stephen King that I am going to remember. Yeah. I read it as a junior high student and it, I remember zero. Did you read it. it for school? No. no. Or just for kids? Just, I found it in the library and it was giant and I was like, yeah. That's probably why you couldn't remember it. It probably took you an eternity to get through it. And by the time you get to other parts, you probably forgot the previous ones. Yeah, I don't. I remember reading it and nothing else. Mm -hmm. Like, I remember finding it in the library very specifically. And because I think it was seventh grade. And that was like the first year that we could go to the high school library. And I thought, like, yeah, dang, that's a big book for a seventh grader. And I was like, Yep, I'm gonna read this. Well, and I had I had been reading. I had read mm-hmm. Harry Potter already, you yeah. know. And you're like, I could do like, this. You know, book. I think at that point, four of the Harry Potters had been released, and I had just read Goblet of Fire, which mm-hmm. is almost 800 pages. So I'm yeah. like, got this, and it is like 1,100 pages. I was gonna say it's even bigger, which yeah, is it's, astonishing. It's <laughs> really long, but I don't I don't remember even like parts of it and like none of it which is weird never happens to me that's crazy maybe it was so disturbing that my brain was like we're not keeping this right probably (laughs) (laughs) probably so but yeah so i guess this will count as my very first stephen king book way to go us diving right into the stephen king i have seen several stephen king movies though not i have not seen the shining but i have obviously seen the old it the new it Mm -hmm. stand by me that is one I haven't seen, which really? I, oh, I was going to say, I feel like is a probably, it, for, it looks like a bummer. So <laughs> uh, I think that was my consensus. Even like when I was younger, I was like, wow, that movie, it gives me the vibe that something bad is going to happen to at least one of them. And I can't. <laughs> so I not, never watched it. It's not really a bummer. Oh, I mean, good. The, the book might be a bummer. I don't know. I've not read it, but yeah. the movie itself is. Is good. I'll have to give it a shot then. Maybe it's just a bummer because you know that the main character, River Phoenix, that actor, mm-hmm. is dead. Maybe. Maybe that's That what could it is. be the bummer. Well, I just feel like movies about kids around mm-hmm. that time, mm-hmm. usually one of them dies yeah. or it's like super sad or, you like know, I don't know. Yes. Yeah. I think that's kind of like what my, yeah. hat, my head was telling me. It was just like, mm, do you really want to go down that path? <laughs> Listen, the 90s movies out here just giving us trauma after trauma. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> do you do you have grief in your life? Well, I'm going to teach you how to deal with it, whether you like it or not. <laughs> yeah. We're just going to you know, give you this sweet, beautiful movie and then kill your best friend. Right. Cool. Right. Cool. Hope you're cool. hope you're good with it. <laughs> Life, you know. Right. Sick. I'm six, but thank you for right. that lesson. <laughs> well, if you would like to share your traumatizing stories of uh, media you consumed as a youth or maybe even as an adult, you can uh, reach us on Instagram and TikTok at WeReadBooksPod. Or email us at weirdbookspod23 at gmail.com. Yes, we will yeah. respond to you. We can wallow in this yeah. <laughs> yeah. together. We can trauma bond. Yes, that's what I was looking for. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I think, I, you know, I, I think the events of this book would definitely cause some trauma bonding <laughs> with some people. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think we have we have trauma bonds at the end yep. for sure. Yeah. 
So this novel was published January 28th, 1977. So she old. Yeah. Not, you know, Jane Austen old. But. But prob- one of the older, like, contemporary books that yeah. we've Yeah, it is. Read. My Aunt Sarah was born in 1977. Way to go, Sarah, being born the same year The Shining came out. And in January. Because 99% of my family's born in January. What? What? Know. You know, your family just likes to start the new year with a fresh baby. Fresh you know? baby. Yeah. I We actually, Emily and I did the math on this and that would have put the conception at Easter. <laughs> <laughs> That's always like, funny listen. when you think about like how that works or I whatever. Know. Yeah. Apparently. The time of year. <laughs> everyone in my family just really loves Easter. Um. All those soft pastels just put them in a romantic mood. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Something about it. Jeez. I love it. Weird. <laughs> but it it's so, like, literally so many people in my family. So many. That's super funny. It's like almost every day of the month, someone in my family has a birthday so or an a, anniversary. Is it an expensive month gift-wise or do you all just go, hey, you're going to get a happy birthday, maybe a card from me, but that's it. Yeah. The <laughs> the only people I get gifts for for their birthdays who are not my nieces and nephews are like Dakota and my parents. It just gets, to, when when the children start entering the chat, as it were, you know, it just, it's too, it's too much, yeah, you know, I, to also do the adults. Yeah. You got to pick one. You have Adults to. or the kids. Yeah. And like for my parents, usually like I will make them a, like a baked good. Like yeah. my dad's favorite pie is custard pie. And so his birthday is January 31st. Mm-hmm. And so I usually just make him a pie and take it to him. Nice. See, and, and I think thoughtful know. made things, food-wise or craft-wise yeah. or whatever, are always just, like, a nice little I love you anyway. So yeah. I think that's great. Yeah. That's usually what I do for Christmas, too, is make my parents something. Yeah. So. After after the pod, I will need to see your blanket progress. There is none to see. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, maybe this year you knit scarves and the next year. Yeah. Blankets. Yeah. Well, we will see. Because I could have done, like, a hand knit, right, with mm-hmm. the big yarn, but that felt like a cop-out. Oh, yeah. I don't think it's a cop-out, but I, I understand. You wanted to do I I wanted to be a blanket. real knitter. Right. Turns out... I still have faith I, in you. I should have started in last Christmas. <laughs> I, you know, I'm a, I'm ambitious in my brain. A little more... A That's little, okay. Overly so. It's good to have dreams. Yeah, aspirations. <laughs> and goals. Yeah. <laughs> you so, can do this. <laughs> Just will... maybe not in the timeline you thought. Yeah. But you can do this. One month? <laughs> yeah. Yikes. Yeah, so. Mm. Well, we'll see how the, <laughs> right. the knitting comes along. Right. But, yeah, uh, The Shining was obviously written by Stephen King. Mm-hmm. I think everyone knows that. Yep. It was his third published novel and his first hardcover bestseller. Nice. So was it, I was going to ask you, like, was it not typical for like, like why hardcover bestseller? Did they not do hardcovers a lot back then? I don't know that every book was on. I think it has to do well in paperback in order to, to become, graduate to the hardcover because nice. it's ex- expensive to produce. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Very cool. So That's I think good accomplishment, bud. <laughs> even like 
early Harry Potters, like the first two or three, the hardcover release is later. Mm, okay. So once yes. they get like popular or the author gets a following, then they will be hardcover on initial release. Gotcha. Obviously, collection-wise, hardbacks are sturdier. They are. But for reading and heft-wise in my weak little arms, even though I lift weights, I still like a paperback. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm i not always particular about hardcover. It depends on the book. Yeah. Like, certain books, I want the hardcover. Yeah. Like, Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter. Right. Or old books, I always gravitate. But old books... We're always hardcover. Right. So if you're looking for like a collectible old book, it's going to be hardcover no matter what. Right. But for like life new, was hard and they wanted the books to be able to withstand it. Yeah. Yeah. And right. they, all those like old like books, they were hand painted and yeah. the covers were like hand, hand made. Yeah. yeah. And the folios were sewn together by hand. Like, the, it was a lot of care. That's why it was a very wealthy thing to yeah. own a book. So, and most people who were able to read novels read them in the newspaper gotcha. or magazine. Like, uh, they didn't own them, they right. had to read them in publications. Yeah. So, people who could read necess- may not necessarily own books, they just read them in the paper. Interesting. A lot of Dickens, his mm-hmm. stuff was published serially in the newspaper. Yeah. Which is also Jane Austen. Her books were originally published like that. Oh, right. So we we do have another we have another book about a writer, which I know how you love that. But this this book is not hard focused on, on the writing. The writing. Yeah. So I think I think it was done very well. <laughs> I I agree, and it didn't bother me. But Good. Also, I wondered that as I was reading. I was like, oh. I know that Stephen King has a knack or a habit of writing himself into mm-hmm. his books in in many ways. Mm-hmm. So I, what, I was kind of expecting it mm-hmm. a little, obviously. But yeah. it's, and, you know, it's, it wasn't a focus, so it wasn't that big of a deal to right. me. Right, right. He wasn't a writer who was writing about a writer who's writing. <laughs> Right. That it can be a cop out if the rest of the character is not fleshed out. Right, right. So I was, I was glad. I was like, <laughs> I, th- I think this one passes that irritation for Maddie. <laughs> yeah, it passes the litmus test. Right. Uh, would you like to do the plot summary, or would you like me to do the plot summary? I can read it. Okay. We have a one-line plot summary for this. It's not funny like the other one. <laughs> the Akatar one was a funny. This one's just. <laughs> Uh, summary. True blue. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, a family heads to an isolated hotel for the winter where a sinister presence influences the father to violence while his psychic son sees horrific forebodings from both past and future. Ooh-wee. So that's your one-line plot summary, yep. folks. That's a good one. It is a good one. I did not write it. Just full disclosure. I wanted to give you props. <sighs> can't take can't take, <laughs> can't take the props. I mean, I could, but then it wouldn't be honest. Right. And we are nothing but honest here. That's right. (laughs) If college teaches you nothing else, it's don't take credit for work that's not yours. Agreed. So So true. (laughs) (laughs) That's called plagiarism, kids. (laughs) (laughs) That's called you're a hack. Yeah. (laughs) Oof. 
Well, all right. Well, let's dive into these characters. Uh, we've got our main character, Jack Torrance. He is the father and one of the three main characters in mm-hmm. this book. He is a previous professor, kind of hard on his luck, looking for a job. Yeah, he is. And uh, soon he will find one. <laughs> yes. Uh, he's a former alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess you're always an alcoholic. Right. But he's a sober. He's currently sober, yes. He's yeah. sober. <laughs> I, I know, know it's a, the, you... the terminology. It's it's hard to to nail down. Yeah, yeah. They what they say once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. Right. You just are not currently drinking. Right. I would think that I would like to be like I was formerly an alcoholic, mm-hmm. no longer am one. But if it is still a struggle for you, perhaps yeah. that's why some people are like, nope, like it's still it's, an alcoholic. Yeah, I think a still lot of... something I have to wrestle with every day. It's a yeah. choice that I have to. Make Say no day. to every day. Yeah, I think that's kind of the sentiment yeah. of alcoholism. It's right. like it's constantly, it's something that's always there right. that you have to. And it definitely is for him. It definitely is for him. Yeah. Yeah, so he's he's currently a, an alcoholic. True, true. Recovering, the, I think that's what they call it, a recovering oh, yeah, alcoholic. Yeah, 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 that's right. That makes sense. Um, then we have Wendy Torrance. She is Jack's wife. Right. Poor little Wendy. I know. She just seems so sweet and genuine. And she's just, she loves Jack, and you can tell. Like, it's right. very clear that she really does love Jack. Right. But, and this is also set in the 70s. Like, yeah. her options are skint. Right. Right. She loves Jack, but she also sees the flaws in Jack. Yeah. And she loves her son, and yeah. she wants what's best for him above yeah. all else. Yeah, she does. I don't think she's currently working. She had a job, I think, mm-hmm. like transcribing yeah. for either Jack or the school or whatever. Yeah. But I'm assuming after Danny came along, perhaps mm-hmm. she stayed at home. It doesn't really mention her work right. status right. other than her willingness to get a job. Mm-hmm. But Yeah. And she did go to college because she met Jack at college. Right, right. So she's educated. Yeah. But... Yeah, but I find her to be a sweet but also very self-aware character, and I she like is. that. She is pretty self-aware. She she also like reads the room pretty well, mm-hmm. which is not always standard yeah. for her character. Like, yeah. A lot of times, part of the plot device to move a story forward is that a character is just unaware of what's right. going on, but she's very aware. I find all of these characters to be fairly self-aware. Yeah, Which I is kind of nice. Yeah. It's nice to see that, like realistic struggle of like a thought and then combating that thought you know because we all do that so yeah i like that i agree and then we have danny he is the son of jack and wendy he is five years old soonish to be six yeah and he is our young boy with psychic powers he just knows things yeah he senses things he feels things he yeah can hear people's thoughts right so yeah He's a lot of power for a little man. Yeah. He's very, uh, his, his access to other people's thoughts kind of makes him seem more informed on the world. Even, even like it in the book, especially the beginning, it has him hearing thoughts that are more adult. Right. But that he doesn't understand. Right. Which I like 
how it shows when he doesn't understand something because then he'll try and put it in a context that he does understand. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it will help him. Mm -hmm. And then other times he's like, yeah, I still don't get it. Yeah. So that still shows us that he's a child. Yeah. But he has, again, a self-awareness or an understanding that is beyond his years, which I would think hearing the thoughts and having to deal with the emotions and thoughts of adults would grow you up a little quick. Sure, so. yeah, for sure. So yeah. Uh, then we have Tony, who oh, Tony. who is uh, I, Danny's. I, they call it his imaginary, imaginary friend. friend. Yeah, which is not really. He's not imaginary. No, he's just only Danny sees him. Correct. So he kind of is the part. He plays the part of like who shows Danny these things. Like he shows him certain visions of when Jack loses his briefcase and it shows Tony shows him Danny where it is. Right. He shows him like the visions before they actually get to the hotel. Right. So he like shows him things. Right. Tony kind of is the one that informs him yeah. of future happenings. Whereas yeah. Danny can when he's like reading a room, that's just him yeah. experiencing that. If that makes sense. Right. Right. Next, we have Dick Halloran. He is the cook at the Overlook Hotel. He is a sweet man. I think he's in his 60s, 50s, 60s. I think he's almost 60. Okay. So, So yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I was in the right bracket. You know, everyone's leaving the Overlook for the winter and he's, he's headed to Florida, but. Yeah. Sunny Florida. Yeah. So we don't get him through the whole book but he's very crucial and he too has 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 the ability that we will talk about yeah in a little bit but yeah Mm -hmm. so he kind of makes a bond with danny pretty quick yeah he's super nice likable kind character i really like i I, really like dick i agree i liked dick a lot as well um next we have al shockley who is kind of he he's one of the, he's on the board of the Overlook, so he's kind of like one of the owners. Yeah, and he's the one who gets Jack the job there. Is he on the board for the school that mm-hmm. Jack worked at as well? Yeah, he was on the board of the school. Jack taught at a prep school called Stovington in I think they were in Maine. I think so, or in that region. Yeah, they were definitely in the Northeast. Yeah. Uh, that's where Jack was a professor, was at this, like, private school, and Al was on the board there also. Yeah. Was Al a te- I'm trying to think, like, how they I met each other through the school, but... I, I don't think he was a teacher, but I do think that Al had a kid who was around Danny's age. Because Maybe in that's one of one of Danny's POVs, he remembers playing with this child. Yeah, yeah. So Al was on, like, the school board, and that's how he knew Jack. Right. But he's, they, he's... He's an alcoholic as well. Right. And so, he's a wealthy, connected man super, on the boards yeah. of both of these yeah. things. So, yeah, he... His dad was... Uh, steel baron so he was Mm. like made all his money in steel yeah and then died and obviously al got all the money right but al and jack would drink together all the time yep and uh they also decided to be sober around the same time as well yes they did (laughs) so that's al yep and then we have Stuart allman who is the hotel manager of the overlook hotel 
Yeah, kind of a jerk. Kind of a jerk. There's one other character in particular that just calls him like a little prick all the time or yeah. something. Like he is not well liked. He no. he seems to have a bit of a do you call it a Napoleon complex when like, you know, you you're just not super important, but you try and make yourself super important. Yeah. Like kind of yeah, I don't he, know. He gives that vibe like he's the owner, but he's not the owner. Like he calls it his hotel. And right. I know a lot of like people People who are managers of something kind of like to have some ownership over what they're doing. Yeah. But <laughs> this guy takes it to the next level. Yes. He's he's very condescending. He's super condescending. To almost everyone. Yeah, almost everyone. <laughs> Pretty much. So not well liked and uh, the boss man. Yeah. Uh, then we have Horace Derwent. He's never on page, but he mm-hmm. was one... He was... The guy who bought the Overlook and remodeled it after, yeah. like, the war? Yeah. Like, after World War One or two, Something like that. But he's one of the main investors in the yeah. hotel and just kind of keeps popping in back into the picture as... Because we'll learn that the hotel kind of changes hands several times over yeah. the years. Yeah. But Horace Derwent is sort of this over-looming over- presence. Presence, Yeah. In ownership. Yep. Next, we have Lloyd Grady, who was a previous groundskeeper of the Overlook Hotel, who uh, his tenure did not end nicely. (laughs) We'll say that. Yeah. We'll get to it here pretty shortly. But he was a previous caretaker that uh, didn't have a good time. He had a bad time. Yeah. But uh, our, our current caretaker, his name is Watson. Yeah. Last name, anyway. I don't. Yeah. I don't know if we got his first name. They just called him Mr. Watson. But uh, Mr. Watson does not care for Almond at all. Not at all. <laughs> nope. He's the one that has the affectionate nickname for him. So yeah, <laughs> super funny. Yep. So those are our characters. There are a few others that we come in contact with like once, mm-hmm. but we don't need it. We'll right. just in the plot. Point. Right. I mean, they're not like recurring. Right. So. Okay. Jumping into our plot points. Yeah. Uh, we start off with the interview, which is the chapter name. Yep. So it's Jack in an interview with Ullman. I will say the chapter names spot on. Oh, yeah. They I tell mean, you exactly what it's a what it's about, what yeah. you're about to experience. Mm-hmm. I respect it. I dig it. Yeah. It. They're very to the point. He's not trying to be mysterious here. No, he's not. They're he's not like, cryptic. Here, here's where we're going. <laughs> this is this is it. This is the interview. Right. <laughs> so Jack is interviewing with Ullman for this caretaker position. I think this, it kind of has the air of being a bit of a formality. Because yeah. like, because of Al, Jack's got the job. Right. But Ullman, with his, he needs his pomp and his circumstance. Right. So he needs to vet him himself. He's got to give this interview. And right. he, he tells him in the interview, like, if it wasn't for Al, like, I would not hire you. Right. I... Do not have any respect for you, basically. Yeah. I mean, partially him as a person, but also the fact that he has... Al in his corner. Yeah. But also because he has a wife and child. And oh, he thinks right. that this job should be done by someone who doesn't have any... Right. Attachments. Yeah. Which is weird, kind of. Because you would think that someone would be more susceptible to, like, a cabin fever type thing if, if they if were all, all alone. alone. <laughs> yeah. And it would be more dangerous right. for that person... To be all alone. What if they get hurt? Who's going to call for help for them? Yeah, exactly. Because the whole deal with this job is 
the winter months of the Overlook Hotel is closed because the snow and stuff gets so bad that, like, you cannot enter or leave. Mm -hmm. So they just shut up shop. But they have to have somebody there because... They have this old boiler. boiler and system in the hotel that has to be maintained or, you know, calamity will ensue. So right. they have to have somebody on the premises for this job. But. Yeah, because they have to, like, keep the building heated, mm-hmm. obviously, because it gets so cold right. in the mountains. Right. That if they didn't keep it heated, the pipes would freeze and could burst. Right. But they can't is... just leave it on either. Right. And they switch wings to, like, help save money mm-hmm. and... That's another aspect of Ullman's character is, like, Watson tells him that Ullman is, like, really cheap. Right. Because he's like, yeah, we should have new boilers and whatnot because this one is so old it's dangerous. But Mm -hmm. Ullman doesn't want to pay to fix it. So here we are babying it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So we're paying a whole ass salary Instead of just buying a new one. Right. Which seems really counterproductive. Would you think in the 70s that there were still, like, programmable boilers at that point? I don't know. Or no? I mean, they had thermostats. I still feel like it would be safer with a newer boiler. Whether oh, yeah. it whether yeah, it could yeah. be set it and forget it or not. Even, mm-hmm. even if you still have to have someone about. Yeah. Still seems like that would be the most yeah. wise decision. But I agree. But, I mean, you know, Ullman is a cheap ass, apparently. Apparently. (laughs) Whatever. So, Jack is obviously picking up on Ullman's condescension. Right. And Jack's like, yeah, no, fuck this guy. It rubs his pride pretty hard. Which is a thing. Jack, like, basically, the only thing he has left is his pride at this point. Right. Right. And he, he struggles with... His emotional control. He does. Where I feel like Wendy and Danny have a fairly good understanding. I mean, Jack has a good understanding of himself, but he also can't control himself very well. He he doesn't have a lot of emotional control. And anger is a big bomb for him. Yeah. That he has to fight with. Yeah, I think... Jack struggles with a lot of self-hate and it's but like many people who struggle with a lot of self-hate that instead of being it's like internalized but it's also externalized onto others right it's not processed and then like alleviated it's just moved around (laughs) yeah exactly which yeah not great I I wasn't laughing because I think it's funny it's just it's just yep we we do this to ourselves sometimes we don't We don't deal with things. We just let them fester and then Mm -hmm. lash out. Yeah. Which is... Unfortunately. Yeah. A huge part of Jack's character. Yes. Yes. I guess we can... We can say at this point, like, the reason he... It was trip... One of the reasons he was trepidatious, because we did say, because of him having a family, is because there was a previous man, as we said, Lloyd Grady, who had a family with him Mm -hmm. on these winter months, closed in in this hotel. Well, Grady, who was also an alcoholic Uh, struggling with addiction, got supposedly drunk and murdered his wife and his two daughters. Yep. So he's concerned because, of course, Ullman has dug up all of Jack's skeletons and Mm -hmm. is not only quote unquote interviewing him, but he's just like kind of throwing all of Jack's flaws back in his face and all of his mistakes back in his face. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, you lost that job at that prep school because of your anger. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, well, you know, it's like, so that's just another cherry on top of why Jack does not like Ullman. Yeah. And just another layer of his condescending douchebaggery. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And Grady also killed himself. Yes. I, the, I did not there, say but, that. Um, yeah, that's like, that's the whole situation is very tenuous. And mm-hmm. Jack is like, fuck this guy. Right. He's like, well, I don't have any plans of falling off the wagon. I'm been sober for yeah. a long time now right he did kind of diss grady a little bit he's like well grady wasn't educated i'm educated so i can read books and keep myself fairly occupied mm-hmm. you know my wife and son are intelligent as well you know we can play games with each other the you know there's no need for concern for mm-hmm. cabin fever we we can occupy ourselves yeah you know yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we know the story on Grady. Mm-hmm. Uh, tragic. So Jack finishes up the interview and we switch point of view to Wendy. Yeah. And at this point, Wendy, they're in an apartment in Boulder, Colorado, which is like an hour and a half from the, the Overlook. Overlook. Something like that. Yeah. Because the town that the Overlook is closest to is Sidewinder. Mm-hmm. But so they have an apartment in Boulder. Wendy and Danny are basically just, like, at their apartment. And Wendy is just... She's just not happy Yeah, here. She's like, kind of mulling over everything that's gone yeah. on. And, you know, they're just waiting for Jack to get back from this interview. Yeah. And she... You know, we get her thoughts on, you know, they're struggling financially, which is always a huge issue in families. Yeah. It's, like, probably one of the hardest things to deal with as a family is mm-hmm. finances. Mm-hmm. And why we, this is when we find out exactly why Jack lost his job. Yeah. At the school. Because he hit, a student of his was on the debate team and Jack, something about a timer and he didn't like Yeah. So basically the kid and him weren't getting along. You know, he cut him from the debate team Mm -hmm. for, you know, reasons we find out more later, but really aren't. Aren't necessarily pertinent, pertinent. Yeah. but the kid he, Jack finds him slashing his car tires, mm-hmm. and Jack just snaps. snaps and beats the crap out of him. And I think I don't know if the kid's still in a coma, but wasn't he like pretty severely harmed? Like was he I in think, a coma for a short bit or something? Like I think he was. Yeah, he was pretty severely hurt. Yeah, uh, it wasn't just like a a one hit situation. He was like really taking it there. Yeah, yeah. So. Obviously, as a teacher, you can't just beat up your students. Even if your student is slashing your car tires. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that is not acceptable behavior. No. no. Uh, even in the 70s, I feel like you can, he could have maybe talked his way out of a situation if he would have, like... Punched him once. Hit him once. Pushed him down. Yeah. Whatever. You know, as long as the kid, like, was able to get up and walk away. Right. But letting the fist loose... No. Yeah, can't be doing that. So, Jack lost his job. Yeah. And so that's also a little insight into Jack. We know that he's got that hairpin trigger temper. Right. Because he wasn't drinking at that time either. No, he was sober. So it wasn't like a a drunken situation. No. He was stone cold sober. Yeah. So... But she's, yeah, just thinking about all the moving around and and is worried about Danny. Mm -hmm. And this job is kind of like their last shot for a stable something for a little while. It is. So I don't even know that they're really thinking of like a job beyond the overlook. It's just sort of like, yeah, we need this job right now to Mm -hmm. like sustain ourselves. Mm -hmm. And then we can get some solid footing and make a good choice from there. Yeah, exactly. 
Because Al's kind of making it seem like he's going to talk to the board of the school and kind of smooth things over if if Jack is just patient. But also, I forgot to mention, yeah, being at the Overlook, he's going to have time so he can work on his play. Right. He's writing a play. And then if the play goes well, then that will give them some stability, too. So, but yeah, yeah, this this thing at the Overlook is make or break them. So she's really focusing on, on that and the things that have happened. Right. So, all in all, poor Wendy, you know? Mm-hmm. But we jump back to Jack, and he's basically just getting a tour from Watson mm-hmm. of the hotel, the boiler, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And this is when we get Watson like, yeah, Ullman sucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I think Watson's dad may have been the like original dad builder. or grandfather there's an ancestor of watson's that was, was the initial yes builder of the overlook yes yeah which is interesting that yeah his lineage went from like being the champion of this hotel to now being a caretaker like they yeah. kind of make that comment somewhere within the book yeah yeah it's it's wild yeah but in this moment, we get Jack thinking about how he hurt Danny when Danny was young. Yeah. He, Danny was three years old. Three. And Jack broke his arm, which uh, would, Jack was drunk. Right. And writing. Yeah, I was going to say, he wrote short stories mm-hmm. and had some published works and whatnot, but he was working on something, something, and Danny went in there and, like, messed mm-hmm. up the papers or whatever. Knocked a drink over on the papers, and Jack grabbed him to spank him, spank him mm-hmm. and grabbed him too roughly and broke his arm. Right. Which, when you're drunk, you have no sense of, mm-hmm. no full sense of your strength, how hard you're doing something, and yeah, he just... yeah. And that's that quote from the beginning of the book is his recollection of that moment. And it haunts him. Yeah. Yeah. He feels terrible. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just another like notch in the belt of self-hatred in Mm -hmm. Jack's mind. And that really affected Wendy's look of him as well. Oh, yeah. For sure. And it, it would, I mean, you would never forget that. No. Which I know that this is a different time than the time we live in. Mm-hmm. And she probably didn't have a ton of options. But mm-hmm. putting myself in that situation, I feel like there's no way I could have stayed married to mm-hmm. Jack. I think she's she probably had trouble rectifying the Jack she knew before and the Jack in that moment. Yeah. And she was probably trying to tell herself this is a one-time mistake. Right. Which is what but, happens to a lot of abuse victims is they think this isn't really them this isn't really them right they don't mean it but she struggles with it and at one point she does consider divorce Mm -hmm. because this moment is not the one where jack goes oh i need to get sober no it's not al and him are driving one night drunk Mm -hmm. drunk and they hit a bicycle out in the middle of the road. He, there's really, like, he has kind of a moment of, like, was someone on it? But it, it seems evidence-wise and just through the story, it's like there wasn't anyone on it. But mm-hmm. just the fear of if there had been yeah. just kind of scares them both straight. Yeah. And they both kind of go, I think, cold turkey from that moment. Mm-hmm. So Al is not only just, like, looking out for Jack and trying to, like, set him up, but he's also, like, kind of his sober anchor pal. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But, but yeah, so the moment she was thinking of bringing up divorce was the day that Jack was like, I'm making a change. Just if you want to talk about it again in a week, we can. Mm -hmm. That's fine. Just, 
just see that things are going to be different. Mm -hmm. And so she does give him that chance. Yeah. But I mean, understandably so it's, it's not like she's, she doesn't hold it over his head yelling it at him all the time Mm -hmm. but it's in the back of her mind constantly because she's worried for her son and jack still does struggle with emotional outbursts so right Right. that fear is always going to be there yeah which i think is like it's a a piece of contention between their inner thoughts especially jack's inner thoughts for sure i i think some people are capable of understanding like this person really is sorry I can forgive them they are actually doing things to change yeah and I can move past this and some people are not capable of that and I think I'm in the latter group yeah I just would never be it not to the same degree but it's the same sentiment of like cheating some people can forgive that and get over it and other people can't and I just would never be able to yeah. Because I would just, like, remember it constantly. Right. right. And even if you are able to not bring it up to your partner. Right. Even if you are able to, like, go through the motions of this is this relationship, even if you are happy with them. Yeah. There's still mm-hmm. that thought. And the instant that something feels, the instant that they're not home when they say they're going to be home, the instant right. that they get a message yeah. on their phone at... 9 p.m. Yeah. That's what you're going to think immediately, no matter how much time has passed. Yeah. And I would, I would never want to live my life that way. And I said, that's a fair point. Wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. But I know that not everyone is like that. I just, and obviously it depends on the relationship and the person Mm -hmm. and and there's so many, so many factors. There are so many factors. But in, in this case specifically with Jack's other issues, Mm Mm-hmm. It makes sense where Wendy was like, I need to do this for the safety of my son, mm-hmm. you know, but mm-hmm. she doesn't. And she sees yeah. the change and changes in Jack, but it is still in the back of her mind, but yeah. it's really always in the forefront of Jack's. And he's also partially true, partially not. He's thinking Wendy's always, always you know, going to jump to that, assumption. smelling him to see if he smells like alcohol or this or that. But it, it hasn't been that long either. I think if it was like 15 years down the stretch and mm-hmm. he had really gotten solid and gotten some no, yeah. stability in his anger and, and dealt with that, like I think that she wouldn't always yeah. be hesitating or wondering you know, those things, I think that that would have subsided, but it hasn't been that long. So he kind of, he, he has to give her some grace Mm -hmm. as well. It's like, rather than just flipping it around and feeling like she's putting all this pressure on him, it's like, he's really putting all this pressure on him. Yeah. She might be a little unintentionally, Mm -hmm. but you know, she's giving you a chance, bro. Like, yeah, she stayed. (laughs) That's his fault. Yeah. Like you were the one that was an alcoholic. You're the one who did all of this shit. Right. And so you hurt course. your son. You can't even forgive yourself, but you're mad at her for not fully forgiving you. Like, yeah, that's not fair either. Right. You know? Yeah. It's just as hard for her as it seemingly is for you. So it's yeah. like, you gotta chill out. <laughs> yeah. A little bit. Yeah. It's, there's a lot of, a lot of emo- emotional turmoil going yeah. on here. Especially so, in the internal dialogue in the internal. of characters. Yeah, exactly. Which it'll, it'll, it comes out loud, mm-hmm. but I do like that when they fight, they're fairly quick to apologize, apologize. or try and mend. Mm-hmm. So in those moments, you can tell that there's true love there between them. It's yeah. just so buried and tangled by 
the things that have happened Mm -hmm. that it makes it difficult for the love to really rise to the top. Yeah. You know, if that makes sense. No, yeah, that makes complete sense. And I think that that, I mean, you know, people say love isn't enough Mm. for a relationship. And I think that Jack and Wendy really illustrate that. Like, Mm. sometimes you can love someone so completely, Mm -hmm. but... There's more work to it than just loving someone. You You have to... That can't sustain your relationship. Right. Because people are people. Right. You also have to choose to work with each other, work on yourself. Like, Mm -hmm. there's a lot more to it than just, well, I do or don't feel these feelings. It's like, you have to nurture and foster a marriage. (laughs) Yeah. You have to be aware of your actions and how they're affecting your partner and your kids, if there are kids. Right. And I don't think Jack is fully capable of regulating his actions. No. And she even says later, like, that he doesn't say I love you very often. Mm -hmm. You know, when he says it, he's genuinely meaning it, but it it doesn't, isn't said a lot, which Mm -hmm. you don't want someone that just throws the word around willy nilly, but Mm -hmm. also someone who kind of rarely says it, that seems kind of painful as well. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot to unpack just emotionally in this book. Yeah. It's very, it's very heavy. So, so I mean, yeah, you, I mean, we could spend probably like five hours. Oh, totally. It, for but, sure. But so all of the, that, that moment though, being drudged up for Jack, we get his first tick, which is sort of like an ex alcoholic tick where it, I say ex, like he used to do this motion, like when he was drinking a lot, like, but he like kind of rubs his mouth, rubs his lips, like with a handkerchief or something. It's kind mm-hmm. of a, I don't know. Which is an, uh, it's a detail that I found, like, really disturbing. Mm-hmm. You have a thing with mouths, though, I, so. I do have a thing so with I can, mouths. So I can see where that would really, really. If- and there's, like, a scene where Wendy, like, notices that Jack's lips are bleeding. Because mm-hmm, he's so done he's, it like, so much. rubbing his lips so vigorously that they yeah. are bleeding. Yeah. I'm like, it really it did disturb me a yeah. lot. Yeah. I was yeah. like, no, I, no. Yeah. I do have a thing about mouths, and it. Wasn't, you know, but that's the thing. There are things throughout the book that, like, I I could see would be, like, unsettling for one person and maybe be just, like, mild for someone else. Yeah. Um, So, and we can kind of touch on those more. But, yeah, I I thought it was interesting that he kind of mixes up the the type of creep he's trying to get via, which is, which is nice. Yeah. You know, as, as a story reader, so. Definitely. But we're continuing through this tour and, you know, they're checking and quote-unquote, like, dumping the boiler because it has to be, like, the pressure has to be relieved Mm -hmm. in it or Mm -hmm. or switched around otherwise, you know, it'll get too hot and it'll blow. Right. So we're just kind of being told the uh, the importance of that. (laughs) Yeah. So he has to do it twice a day. Yeah. 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 In the morning and at night, essentially. This is one thing you cannot forget to do. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. It's like the essence of why he's there. Right. Right. That is the main reason. He's going to do some other stuff and maintenance and whatnot, but that is the number one purpose for there being a caretaker over there. Yeah. But uh, then we also get some stories about like previous people that stayed at the the hotel. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. So... Mrs. Massey is, like, the one that's called out here, mm-hmm. and she was an older woman, like, 60, who was staying at the hotel with, like, a 17-year-old. Was he that young? Yeah. Oh, gross. I don't, re- I don't remember. I didn't remember him being that young. I just knew he was young. And she, like, referred to him as her husband or yeah. something. 
Ugh. Yeah, and he, the child, 17-year-old is a <laughs> child, he ends up, she's like a rich woman, yeah. and he ends up like stealing her car and leaving, Yeah, and then she kills herself yeah. in the bathroom. Yes, yeah, very tragic. Room 217. Mm-hmm. Just the first of many tragedies yeah. in the walls of this place. Yeah, so like a ton of people have died in the Overlook yeah. by various ways, yeah. so... And we just get those stories kind of sprinkled in, throughout. Yeah. I mean, there's one big chunk, but yeah, mm-hmm. we kind of just hear them. Intermittently. Yeah. yeah. And then our story switches POV again to little dude Danny. Little Danny. I actually really like the change in POV. Like, again, I, I, I just feel like we get to know our characters in and out. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just really nice. So yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. But I agree. He's sitting there on the curb waiting for his dad, and he's just kind of worried about his parents. You know, he's seeing them struggle, and he can tell that his mom is constantly worried. And mm-hmm. she's always does, always does have it in the back of her mind, you know, worrying that Jack's going to, you know, something's going to be too emotionally strenuous for him. He's just going to fall off the wagon. And they, Danny calls it doing the bad thing, which mm-hmm. is drinking alcohol. And he's aware that Wendy especially was thinking of divorce at mm-hmm. one point, and he's just kind of... Thinking about that and thinking about how it, that has faded from her and both their minds. So he's thankful that that has Passed. subsided, you know, because that's that's a big concern for him as well. You know, he loves both of his parents, but mm-hmm. as a little boy, he's he's got a special bond with his dad. Yeah, he you does. Know, whether his dad harmed him or not, mm-hmm. he has an, a special attachment to Jack, you know. Wendy's trying to get him inside and, you know, come eat something or whatever. And he wants to sit out on that curb and wait for Jack. Yeah, he does. Which I like Wendy's honesty when little jealousies flare up a little Mm -hmm. bit. You know, she sort of takes those thoughts and acknowledges them, Mm -hmm. you know. And she'll take them captive if she can. Sometimes they'll affect her. But I just think that those are really good moments. Yeah. But, you know, but she'll be like, yeah, he likes Jack more than me. And, like, I can imagine, like, that's a real feeling that real parents have. Yeah. And that's, I mean, it's got to hurt, even if it makes sense, you know, like you can't help it, you know, it's just, but I, I just liked that, that honesty, but, mm-hmm. but yeah, we were really seeing Danny's emotional awareness of his feelings, but also like his parents' feelings in this moment. Yeah, I agree. Danny is really, uh, well, and him being it in tune with other people's thoughts, he, it makes him in tune with other people's emotions as well. Mm-hmm. And so it makes him more emotionally mature than most especially five-year-olds especially five-year-olds but he's he's experienced some trauma too which will age you up real quick yeah it does for sure in this moment like danny while he's waiting he's kind of like falling into that trance yeah and then that's when we see tony for the first time yeah we get to meet meet is a loose term but yeah we encounter our tony for the first time while he's waiting for jack and Tony, we don't ever see him, like, up close. No, he's, he's always, always, like, at a distance. distance. And um, Tony shows him some things. Mm-hmm. He shows him, like, some signs that say, like, danger, keep out. Mm-hmm. He shows him red rum mm-hmm. on the mirror for the first time. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, a reoccurring thing that Danny sees. Mm-hmm. And he also shows him, like, a vision of hearing a voice that's familiar to him Mm -hmm. yelling, come and take your medicine. 
mm-hmm. which is also a recurring thing that he hears. Yeah. And he sees, like, the swinging of a large ballot yeah. in this vision. Yeah. And then he's back on the curb. Right. And, and when he goes into these visions, you know, like, if his parents are on, they freak out because he looks like he's having an epileptic seizure. Yeah. So yeah. they have some concerns Right. Over his health. But this is just him kind of going into a vision. I did think it was interesting that sometimes Tony will show him signs that Mm -hmm. he cannot read. Yeah. So that urges Danny to want to learn to read, Mm -hmm. you know, at a higher level. Like it it is pushing him to want to learn so that he can understand Tony's messages. Yeah. Because the signs he's showing him that say danger and keep out, he doesn't know what they say until they're going up the mountain and his mom is reading them to him. Right. Right. Yeah. But yeah, it, it's kind of crazy to me, especially after learning later what we learn. It's like, why would you, why would you show him things, you know, that he can't understand? Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. But at the same time, he's probably just giving him visions of the signs. It's not like he's choosing, like, I'm writing this message. Yeah. Read it. It's just sort of <laughs> yeah, giving him visions of, of what's to come. But yeah, I thought that was... Yeah. Crazy. And he's not giving him, like, full visions of what is about to happen. No, it's just, like, snippets. Flashes. It's, so, it's not a full picture. Right. So it's always a little cryptic. Yeah. So. Unfortunately. Which is how these things happen. Because yeah. if Tony was just like, hey, listen. This is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. Then he wouldn't want to go. And right. And I think Wendy would be inclined to be like, okay, I'm going to trust Danny. Right. Yeah. We're going to stay in this apartment while yeah. Jack goes up there. I really respect her trust. She does have a lot of trust in Danny, which yeah. is really ne- integral yeah it's very important for her to trust him so but usually yeah in in mostly in modern stuff it's like the parents dismiss the kids so Mm -hmm. the fact that like what he says is really taken and weighed is nice yeah after that jack comes home and danny's thrilled yep see his dad he's pumped yep uh they they do some things they go to like the hardware store i think jack makes the call to al shockley yeah to thank him Mm-hmm. And that's whenever they we learn about the history of Jack and Al and right and the uh, the school and the his school, plans to, the accident with the bike right yeah that's and his plans to write while he's up there mm-hmm. and you know get his head and career on straight and all that jazz mm-hmm. so I I kind of skipped ahead a little bit <laughs> no that's I mean that's how it happens so. That all happens, and then we we kind of get a little bit of Jack and Wendy history mm-hmm. here. Like, they met in college, and Wendy has a tumultuous w- relationship with her mother. Yeah. And... Who her mother struggled with that weird jealousy, but her mm-hmm. mom's almost seemed like more of a mental instability severity of... Yeah. Like, she had a weird jealousy of Wendy with her dad and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that, and that really put her... And the dad and the mom... Wendy's dad and mom didn't have a good relationship with each other, and her mm-hmm. mom was, like, really controlling and weird, and... Yeah. Yeah. So and, you can see Wendy struggle with those influences, which, yeah. again, is just was really cool for me. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, was, I, I just thought it was written super well. And, yeah, and Wendy's mom tried to, like, uh, all, not, she had, like, plotted in her mind to, like, take Danny. Yeah. And Danny, like, tells his mom and stuff, like, yeah. give me, a, like, we need to, like, leave, basically. Right. And that's why she doesn't, you know, like, that's why they haven't, like, leaned on her parents or anything for help or her mom mm-hmm. for help. Because I think, really, Wendy's mom is the only parent left. I think so. His grandparent left. Yeah. They're, they can't lean on her because she's awful and mean yeah. and kind of 
crazy and emotionally abusive yeah. in her own way. Right. So that's not really a safe haven either. Mm-mm. Nope. So, yeah, that's... And then we're headed to the Overlook. Putting along in our little VW bug that's... It's gonna make it, but... Whew. It's not easy. It's struggling. <laughs> it's struggling. <laughs> to get up the mountain. So... Thankfully, we make it. Thankfully, we make it and meet Ullman again. Right. And also, this is when we meet Halloran. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, Ullman will give us a tour of the hotel, you mm-hmm. know, going kind of suite by suite or floor by floor. There's only three floors, mm-hmm. but there's like a couple wings yeah. and, and such. Like I'm like, oh, three floors, that's not very big. But if it's like spread out wide, mm-hmm. then yeah, it's, that's pretty big. Yeah. yeah, wings. <laughs> yeah. <know? laughs> but yeah, when Almond's giving them the tour, that's when Danny kind of sees some visions and history of some of the other possible violent things that happened in some of the rooms. Like one of the presidential suites, he mm-hmm. sees like blood and brains on one of the walls yeah. and stuff. Yeah. And Halloran is there to show them like the food stores. Right. I was going to say, like after that. dealing with Almond, then we get to have like the nice encounter and tour with. Halloran or yeah. Dick. Dick and Dick to my friends, I guess is is really yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he immediately can tell that Danny has like the gift. Right. Who and Dick himself, he also has the gift. Yes. So he can like him and Danny can kind of like mind to mind. Right. And what talk. do we call that gift, Maddie? The shine. Yes. The shine, the shining. Yep. It's where the name comes from. Yep. So nice. So <laughs> It is coined, actually coined by Dick's grandmother, who also right. had the shine. Which I thought that was cool, like, that it kind of, like, was a lineage thing in his family, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. It wasn't just like a, yeah, I randomly got these powers. It was like, oh, yeah, no, my grandma had, you know? So mm-hmm. I, I thought that was cool that not just another person had it, but it was, like, common for him. Like, he understood it a little more so he could help Danny help understand Danny. it a little yeah. more. Yeah, exactly. So the hotel is very beautiful. Wendy, once they get there, Wendy has a feeling like this is going to be good. Yes. This is good for us. Yeah. Um, She's trying to look on the bright side and be hopeful. Mm-hmm. And Danny's trying to pretend that he's not afraid. Right. Because <laughs> he's like, ooh. Because he also weird. understands, like, dad needs this job. Yeah. We, we don't really have any other options, mm-hmm. you know. That, yeah. That weighs on him and kind of keeps him quiet. Yep. Yep. It's true. Uh, Danny, or not Danny, but Dick warns Danny that room 217, stay away from it. Right. Don't go in there. It's not not cool. Right. Especially because of his shine. Yes. It's it's one thing, you know, for normal people, but with Danny's shine, especially he says that Danny's shine is exceptionally strong. Strong. Yeah. So don't go there. Don't go to the playground where the... Hedge animals. Right. Is that where they are? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. it's, like, near the playground or whatever. So yeah. he's like, don't go down there. Yeah. I feel like there was, like, a third thing he told him not to mess with, but mm-hmm. I can't remember. I can't remember. They just kind of give him, giving him the, hey, don't do that. And now that I know what you got going on, don't do this, don't do that. Yeah. Close your eyes. They can't hurt you. Mm-hmm. If you do see something, just close your eyes. It'll go away. It, it, they, they can't hurt you. But mm-hmm. don't tempt fate and yeah. mess with it either. Yeah. And then Dick, he says that he's sort of, like, met other people that had a little bit of shine, or he kind of tries... So he kind of tries to test Wendy and Jack for a shine. And he says he thinks moms always have a little bit of a shine, Mm -hmm. you know, just an understanding for their kids and stuff like that. But I thought it was interesting when he tried to check Jack for a shine. 
It says, Halloran paused momentarily. He had probed at the boy's father, and he just didn't know. It wasn't like meeting someone who had the shine or someone who definitely did not. Poking at Danny's father had been strange, as if Jack Torrance had something, something that he was hiding or something that he was holding in so deeply submerged in himself that it was impossible to get to. And I just, I feel like that's like his inner demons Mm -hmm. or something. Yeah. But I think that something that deep and gaping of a wound is what makes him susceptible. I agree. You can can tell just from the beginning Jack's thoughts and feelings that he's more susceptible Mm -hmm. than anyone else. Yeah. So, um, but Dick isn't staying here. He's going to Florida. Yeah. And he's ready for some warm weather and relaxation. He's got, he's going to be working down there cooking. And he basically tells Danny, like, if you need anything, just shoot me a thought. And yeah. Cause he's like, just give me a little shot. Let me, let me see how strong you are. Yeah. (laughs) And he's like, Danny does it and he holds back and Mm -hmm. he rocks his world. Like his brain is scattered. And Danny's like, I know you told me to do a full blast, but I actually held back a little bit. He's like, thank God you did. Cause I think I would be dead. Yeah. (laughs) Or completely scrambled. So he's like, yeah, if you need me, just, just think real loud. Like you just did. I might even hear that all the way in Florida. Yeah. (laughs) Which is wild. It's super wild. Because Dick doesn't have that capability. Yeah. So. Danny's got mad power. Mad power. So, yeah. And this is like when we are kind of just settled. We're we're settled. We're in the hotel. Mm -hmm. Jack's working. Wendy and Danny are whatever. Doing their thing. They're like happy. Mm -hmm. At least Jack and Wendy seem to be happy. Danny obviously is in tune with what it's kind of brewing. but Right. Uh, he's trying to be happy. He's, he's trying, trying to he's trying to settle his nerves and be like, things look good. Mommy and daddy are yeah. happy. You know, daddy's he, keeping busy and yeah. feels like he has a purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's very important, especially for men of that time, like to feel like you're providing, that you have mm-hmm. a purpose, that you're doing something. And right. like being able to, I think, care for this hotel and like fix certain things like the roof and stuff like that, it, you know. He's doing things and checking them off his list and, like, feeling more productive and yeah. accomplished than he's felt in a long time. Yeah. And he knows he has the time and the space to, like, work on this play he's wanted to work on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I think he's he's feeling good and hopeful and yeah. Wendy's trying to feel good and hopeful. So yeah. Danny's just trying to kind of ride that good wave. Yeah, <laughs> he is. And he's trying very, very hard to ignore all the, like signs like the visions of Mm. the red rum and he's trying to like kind of take dick's advice and just close his eyes and they'll go away right right not try and connect with anything yeah Yeah. (laughs) right and i think while jack's working on the roof is when the hornet thing happens or the wasps yes and then danny is stung so he he gets the the, there's a hornet nest. He's fixing the room. Yeah. There's a hornet nest. He does the bug bomb. Right, right, right. And thinks he kills all the wasps. Mm-hmm. Well, when Jack was a kid, he had an empty hornet's nest in his room. You know, he thought it was really cool. It's just kind of like a, a neat example of like architecture and nature kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So he gives it to Danny. Well, Danny wakes up in the middle of the night and he's got wasps stinging his hand. And then Jack goes to like get the wasp nest out of there. He's like, that bug bomb was defective. Like I did the ex- instructions. We're exactly. going to sue the pants off of this company. Yeah. You know, he's all mad. But when he puts that bowl over that wasp nest and then he comes back to it later, it's just not a couple. It's like 
hundreds uh, just yeah. like swirling around Full. under that glass. So like that thing was full to the brim of wasps. And I tell you, this was one of those like made my skin crawl moments of the book. Like yeah. I hate wasps. I had an apartment that wasps got into my bedroom two mornings in a row and chased me around my room. And thankfully I didn't get stung, but like I had dreams slash nightmares for weeks after that, Mm -hmm. that I could hear buzzing in my blinds. And I mean, it's like making my skin crawl. So this is one of those, like, it might not bother someone else, but this one really bothered me. Yeah. Yeah, I, it was a situation, like you said earlier, where, like, when I read this, I was like, yeah, I bet this really bothers some people. Because yep. it doesn't, it didn't necessarily bother me, too. It wasn't, like, the lip thing yes. that really bothered yes. me. But I was like, yeah, this, this is, yeah. this is. But that's why I think it's so creepy. clever, because it's like, he's yeah. kind of throwing lines out there to, to, like, kind of creep different people's, Yeah, he's you know. trying to cover, like, all of everyone's, like, little. Right. So, yeah, this one got me, and, and it made me wonder, too, I was like, okay, was this the hotel? Or was the bum, bug bomb defective? <laughs> I just assumed it was the hotel. I kind of did too. But And then, so after that, did they go to the doctor yes. after this? Yeah, when he gets, because I think he gets multiple stings. Right. And they don't know necessarily if he's like allergic. Right. And then Wendy's kind of like starting to worry about when they are going to be cut off yeah. from civilization because, you know, they have a phone and they have a radio and stuff, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's like when that snow comes in, they are not going to be able to go anywhere. So right. it's like, hey, with these stings. And then I think that, are they seeing signs of maybe he's been distressed or has he had a moment where he had a vision at some point? So they were like, we're taking him to the doctor. We're all going to get checkups before we're closed in by the snow. Right. And I think whenever she first, I think when he gets the stings and Wendy's like, I thought you dealt with this. Yeah. And I think that's the first instance where we get Jack. Like, I don't know if he says it to her, but he thinks like, you're never going to let this go. Right. And right. Which her reaction is understandable. Like, yeah. why would you put this wasness in his room? I thought you killed all of them. Right. But, like, that accusation stings Him, Jack. Yeah. And then it just, it's like, it's like a poison that seeps in. Yeah. So. Because it's not just about the wasps to him. It's about everything. everything. Yeah. You know, he takes that as a blow about everything he's yeah. done wrong. Exactly. So. Not great. But, but they do go to the doctor. Yeah. With the wasp. Yeah. Stings. So, and. The doctor uh, kind of recognizes that Danny's got some sort of intuition. Right. He but that's all he calls it is an mm. intuition. Yeah. He doesn't believe that there's a supernatural. Su- right. Yeah. Right. Even though he recognizes that Danny was think could hear his mom's thoughts about her sister. Mm-hmm. He's like, he's just really super aware. So you I just want I just thought you guys would want to know that. Yeah. And he's healthy. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And I, I don't know, I don't think we really get too much of Jack's thoughts here, but we do get Wendy's, and mm-hmm. she she's thinking, like, no, I know my son. Like, he was born with the call over his face. Yes, that really stuck and out to me after we read Discovery of Witches, and they talked about the call, mm-hmm. and we kind of learned what that was then. Yeah. So reading it in this book, I was like, that's kind of cool. Like, Yeah, so she's thinking to herself, like, no, my son has, there. he's got yeah. a second sight for sure. Right. I do like that she simultaneously is like, I believe he has powers. And then her rational brain is like, well, but he could just be intuitive. It's like you see them struggling, but she's never disbelieving of Danny. So it's like, even though her brain is trying to like make sense of this supernatural thing, she's also at the same time, like 
accepting it to be a truth that she just doesn't fully understand. Yeah. But I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. There's a, there's this, Wendy has got a lot of like dichotomy going on inside mm-hmm. of her, but yeah. I think she's, she has a, a logic, but her logical side doesn't keep her from seeing what's really going on. Yeah. Yeah. Which is interesting. Cause usually in like a situation like this, where you have like supernatural things, mm-hmm. it's the logical character that's like missing the cues because right. they refuse to believe it. Right. And Jack's and, a little bit missing the cues in certain things. Like, you know, yeah. he, even if he sees something himself, it's like he, nope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I can't process this right now. This didn't happen. We see <laughs> no, that like with the hedge animals when they're moving, and he yeah. he thinks he sees them move yeah. or whatever. But right. I think part of Jack's is less about him being logical and more about him being already prone to like insanity a little bit. Yeah, and he's just so introspective. Yeah, he's to a everything. like. To a bad point, to a negative point, that, like, he is missing things or just unwilling to deal with anything else. Because he's already got so much tidal wave going on inside of himself that he's just like, no. I feel (laughs) like Jack's Jack's character is a side of narcissism that we don't typically see. Because Mm -hmm. he's not, like, he's so hyper-focused on himself, but not in a way like we usually see narcissism where... When we usually see, the way people usually talk about or write it is, like, the person who is narcissistic is, like... Pompous and builds himself up. Using other people to, like, seek self-pleasure, right? And Jack is narcissistic in that he's hyper-focused on himself and his failures. Mm -hmm. And he can't get out of... The way that when everything Wendy says is a jab at right. him, the almond, everything he says is a jab. Everything mm-hmm. that happens around is just bringing him down. It's yeah. impeding his progress. Right. Like, so it's the weird, like, negative side of yes. the narcissistic coin. Yes. Absolutely. I totally agree. Which is interesting. It is. I don't know. Usually when you think of a narcissist, you're thinking of like someone who's, you know, like... Gilderoy Lockhart. <laughs> yeah. The the Gilderoy Lockhart's like... Right. You know, you can hate them because they're just so full of themselves. But right. then you have Jack. Yeah. Who's also a representation of that. Right. Which he he's simultaneously dislikable and then also like pitiable at he the is, same time. Yeah. You feel bad for him, but also you're just like... Fuck off, Jack. Yeah, like, yeah. get over yourself. Right. Do some self work, my dude. Yeah, that's what I. The whole time, especially which obviously back then also wasn't was not a acceptable thing. for especially for a man. But still, it's like you you have to you're at least writer. recognize that this is unhealthy. Yeah, <laughs> like you're a writer, write it down. Yeah, journal, get it off your come chest. Come on, come on. Let's do some processing here. Yes, it's just uh, yeah, but that's like my thought, especially as we get like kind of we're here at kind of the hinge pin mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. where we're about to take our turn, yep. and at this point. I'm because we have some thoughts from Jack where he like calls Wendy a bitch Mm -hmm. and is just like thinks really nasty thoughts about her. Yeah. Yeah. And all of those, I'm just like, Jack, God, just get over yourself, Jack. Like, not everything is about you. Right. Every comment that's made has doesn't have to be about. How, your horrible misdeeds in the past right. like get over it right and it's it's interesting too because 
it would be easy to just blame it all on the hotel, but I think that some of those negative thoughts are definitely they were pre-existing. Pre-existing. Yeah. It's just they get more malevolent. Yeah, I agree. And I think that partially for people who struggle with addiction and alcoholism and all that, I think this is what happens in their brains. Mm-hmm. Like when they're sober, they have those thoughts. They exist in their heads, but they are also, like, tuned in with the logical side of their brain that can Mm -hmm. tell them, like, hey, like, that, you're dialing that up. Yeah. Just, it's not that, it's not as bad as you're making it out to be to yourself. Right. You're exaggerating. Yeah. And they can, like, process that out of it. Mm -hmm. But whenever they are using or drinking, Mm -hmm. then the logic kind of leaves and they're left just to wallow and intensify those feelings. Right. So that's essentially what the Overlook is doing to Jack. Right. If I didn't already not drink alcohol, like, after reading this book, I'd be like, yeah, I'm definitely <laughs> not drinking alcohol again. Like, yeah. that that's a slippery slope I don't feel like sliding down. Yeah. Well, man. I am just glad that I've never had a drinking problem. Yeah. It's... Some people don't have addictive personalities, and it's it's not a thing for them, but other people, yeah. it it's... Some it's a short, are, easy slip into is. something like that. And so it you have is. to be very careful. Right. I am really lucky that I just, I've never had really an addictive personality. Me either. I, I mean, like, even when I used to smoke cigarettes, like, when I quit. It was easy? It was easy for me. Yeah. I wasn't smoking, like, a pack a day or anything, but yeah. I just, I was not. I was thankfully not, you know, physically and mentally addicted to the the habit, the ritual mm-hmm. of it, the nicotine. Like, yeah, it just was, it was simple for me to put down. And I know that that's not the case for other people. Right. For exactly. all people. Yeah. I, uh, I was I was never a smoker. I tried smoking maybe like two or three times in my life mm-hmm. at various points. And every single time I'm like, all of you people who are smoking are fucking liars because this sucks. <laughs> it stinks. It tastes bad. It hurts. There's yeah. nothing cool about this. <laughs> this is not relieving my stress at all. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure that I literally every single time I tried smoking, I was with my with friends in high school. Yeah. And like post high school, I never, I never had the. I was like, you know what? I tried it. Right. This is not for me, clearly. Right, right. But every single time I had the thought, like, fucking liars. Are you guys lying to What is this? <laughs> what is this, this mass sucks? lie that you guys have concocted <laughs> that smoking is cool and Fun. relaxes you? This is, you're like, this tastes terrible. <laughs> yeah, it sucks. Like drinking, I understood. Like mm-hmm. drinking in high school, you. It was always a good time yeah. until it wasn't. But I, yeah, I, I think it just has to do with people's physiology yeah. as well. Like, yeah, because like you know, nicotine does give you sort of like a or can give you sort of like a. That's why they call it like a nicotine buzz. buzz. You know, you get that surge of I don't know if it's something in your brain that like the nicotine reacts with. Yeah. Whatever it is, it does give you like a you know kind of a warm, relaxed feeling. But like people that smoke for years like they they lose the ability to yeah. kind of get that buzz right. too so then that's when it you know then it's just part of your yeah routine and 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 stuff too but it, it, it's it is very interesting to think like how we're all so different and what's so very easy for one person is so very hard for someone else i know it's so wild and then in jack's case like not only 
is it like his addiction issues, but then his, like you said, his narcissistic self-hate issues, like the, Mm -hmm. those are a very bad combination. Oh yeah. Yeah. And yeah, for sure. It's really insane. And it just like really makes you consider like other people, how other people maybe are dealing with something like this, especially if you don't deal with that. Right. Like, cause I've never really struggled with any sort of mental health issues I know it's like a lot of people deal with it their entire lives. Yeah. And then addiction just intensifies that feeling. Yeah. And it's just weird to be a person who I don't really drink. I'll Mm -hmm. have a drink Mm -hmm. or get some wine. But if somebody said alcohol is gone forever, I'd be like, fuck, I don't care. Right. Don't take my (laughs) coffee, but alcohol fine. Yeah. (laughs) I'm coffee would be my is honestly like my only vice. Yeah. Really? I don't drink pop. I don't eat sweets that much. Yeah. Like if you took sugar away, I wouldn't care either. Yeah. I think if if it was between coffee and soda, if someone was like one of these has to go away forever, I think I honestly would pick to keep soda. I just really like it. Yeah. <laughs> as much as I like coffee, it's like I can get the caffeine from the soda, but Yeah. There's just so many different flavors, you know? There's, I don't yeah. know, I, but yeah. yeah. It's weird. Coffee really is my only thing. Yeah. And it's not even the caffeine. Like, I could drink an entire pot of coffee yeah. and go straight to bed. Like, it doesn't do anything for right. me. And addictions, too, it's not just the thing, right? It's like the, you know, like it, with coffee, it it's is like the, 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 the warm cup in your hand. Yeah. And sitting, I mean, the idea of, like, sitting on a breezy fall porch with a warm cup of coffee in your hand. There's just something about that that is so cozy and relaxing. So you're saying it's the the vibes. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, there's there's more to things than just that. But, and I'm sure I've said this like 20 times, but like this book is just so good with these three different characters because like Jack is that example of the person who is addicted and struggling. And then Wendy is the person who's emotionally tied to that person mm-hmm. who's who's having that struggle and also emotionally affected. And then you also have Danny who's, you know, a dependent of these two people mm-hmm. who are both affected differently by this thing and this mm-hmm. this situation. And it's just it just really kind of gives you almost a 360 view of that type of thing. It's yeah. I, I just find it so fascinating and it's and it's super fascinating for sure. And interestingly well written. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And so now we're hinging right. in the story. Right. So this isn't the last like cla- close of the class, but this is definitely one of the hinges where it's like, you know, we're having an awareness yeah. of like, uh, we're going to get closed in. Things are sort of yeah. happening, but okay, we're, we're going to continue forward in hope. It's like, ooh. Yeah. Yeah. This is, I think this is for when the, the story took the tur- the biggest turn for yes. me. I was like, yes. okay, here. Because up to this point, you're you're really like building the story. You're yeah. getting to know like this is this per- character's yeah. kind of burden. This is this one's burden, and so when you get here, yeah. you're kind of aware of where all three are. Right. It's like a box, and the hinge is yeah. It's yeah. like the box lid is open, and at this point, this is the box like starting to yeah, we're, shut. We're like I said, it's not the tipping. snap of the lock, but we're definitely tipping. Yeah, we're in a tipping. direction. You're absolutely right. And at this point is kind of when I knew like Jack is a goner mm-hmm. here. Like mm-hmm. this, this is. It he's got a goner the house has taken him right and Um, it's funny how he struggles with oh well the house wants me the house wants me the house wants me it's like 
I it know. wants you because you're a gateway to what it really wants. I know. Not I that sorry. was so interesting. But that plays into your assessment the, of the his narcissism. narcissism. So why would you want Danny when you can have me? Yep. Such a strange because it's not. No, you can't have Danny. Mm-hmm. Take me instead. Yeah. Yes. It there's a very big difference in. Yeah, and I think he does have that thought at one point, but most of his his thoughts. Yeah. While I, I'm sure they're influenced in some way, but yes, a lot of them are. Why would you want him? You have me. Yeah. You don't need him. Yeah, I know. It's it's very. And he's not. I don't even think he ever fully accepts Danny's abilities. Right. Not fully. Yeah, he's not on Wendy's level. No. Wendy's but he, like, he, yeah. Yes. Right. So, but yeah, he can't, because he can't even see past it. It's just like, you got me. Yeah. (laughs) Which is what is weird when it takes us into, like, the next scene. Like, we get Jack finding the scrapbook and going through the history of the Overlook. Yeah. Which he can't figure out whose scrapbook this is, right? Right. This was kind of a drudge for me. This chapter was a bit of a drudge. Like. Just too much information. It was, yeah, I did, we didn't need necessarily to know the full history of each event at the overlook yeah like i get why you're telling us who these people are because they do come it does come back up later but we didn't need jack reading the full article article to us like i didn't need that yeah if you want to just say okay this mob guy was here right sure thank you right move on right that explains (laughs) the blood blood brain chunks in that one room exactly noted (laughs) Noted. And it's obviously we're supposed to know that the Overlook has a tarty history, right? We, yes. Okay, thank you. With drugs, alcohol, and then just like CD owners and, and then, yeah, that one lady that we talked about earlier, Mm Miss Massey, Mm -hmm. who had killed herself. She was the wife of one of the owners, I Mm -hmm. think, or at least board members or something. Yeah, a a hot shot rich guy yeah yeah so jack finds this he and this is kind of what puts him on the idea of i'm gonna write a book about the overlook right he's switching gears from his play that he's supposed to be finishing yeah to i'm gonna write a book about the overlook yeah and it's gonna tell all its dark seedy little yeah history this is (laughs) this is like his magnum opus right his mate this is gonna be it for him in his mind yes gonna change everything yeah and this is going to make him one of the great American writers, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is this book about the This Overlook. is his break. Yeah. This will be the thing that makes it for him. Yeah. That's what, what he has in his mind. Yeah. Yeah. And at the same time, Danny finally goes into room 217. Does he go in or does he just consider going in? Well, he considers going in and he has the key, but then he later is like, no, I'm going to go in. And he goes yeah. in and that's when... The ghost of Mrs. Massey, like, chokes him. Barf. She is described. Oh, yucky. She, yuck. Yeah. It's it's gross. Yeah. But, yeah, she, like, attacks him and chokes yeah. him. Yes. Um, yeah, she... Poor thing. Like, it's... That scene is super well written, too, because, like, you know, but she's... Yeah, she's not just, like, some dead, saggy old lady. Like, she's bloated and purple mm-hmm. and... Is she naked? Naked, yes. Uh. So things are visible for poor little boy. Oh, and yeah, and it, it like her eyes are clouded and it talks about this like grin. Yeah. You know, and it starts with like this shower curtain, right? And then like she pulls it back. Either she pulls it back or he does. Either way, it gets pulled back. She's revealed. 
she steps out. She's coming at him, you know. He's trying to do that, like, close his eyes. It mm-hmm. can't hurt me thing. But he closes his eyes and he opens them. And she's still there yeah. coming. And that's when she chokes him. And he passes out. Yeah. Thankfully, she doesn't kill him. I don't yeah. I don't know what stops her in that moment. But yeah. Yeah, he passes out. But eventually, like, gets out of Dodge, out mm-hmm. of the room. But Yeah. And he... So he, like, manages to get away. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's conscious, necessarily, when I, he's getting... I think he's Yeah, I think he of... says, like, he. I think he tells them later, like, he passed out, and then, yeah, it's like, then he was either found himself out of the room or got out of the room somehow, but he couldn't remember, mm-hmm. you know. But I think, does it... So does Jack fall asleep while he's in the basement, like... I, Wendy comes down and finds him in the basement, and he, like, tosses the scrapbook off and is... Because when they find Danny choked is the same time she finds Jack smashing the ever-loving crap out of the radio. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's why I thought maybe the choking was later. Because... I think it's a little later after the scrapbook, but not a lot happens. Like Right. You know? In between. Right. Yeah. We're just still prepping for the winter and whatnot. Showdown. So yeah, she, yeah. you know, he, he, Jack does keep that book a secret, but yeah. yeah. Uh, while Danny is finally in the room and all that's happening, Jack had fallen asleep somewhere and he woke up and was like smashing the crap out of their CB radio, mm-hmm. which the phones have been down. Like the snow has been falling. Yeah. And phones are out. So the CB radio was their only connection to literally the real world. Yeah. So <laughs> outside any, of this hotel with it smashed, if anything happens, they're essentially just fucked. Right. And she's kind of like panicked, like, you know, and she's starting to see like, okay, uh, Asleep Jack and like awake Jack <laughs> are having yeah. two different goals here or something. Like she's mm-hmm. kind of like making mental notes here. But mm-hmm. yeah, he smashes the radio and she's kind of like panicked by that. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they're like going to check on Danny. Mm-hmm. And then Danny's standing at the top of the stairs like. With his neck all bruised. All bruised and just in shock. Yeah. So then of course Wendy turns to Jack and is like, what did you do? Yeah. Or. I don't know if she says, what did you do? But she says something to him. Yeah, like, and he's like, of course. Yeah. Of course. Of course she thinks it's... But I'm like, my dude, you were just smashing the Everloving Tar. Like, why wouldn't she think... Like, if you can do that in your sleep, why wouldn't she think that you did that too? Mm-hmm. She just... At very least, even though her logical brain went, of course he didn't, you know, or you know, later, you know, mm-hmm. she, or just like, you know, maybe he didn't. I don't know. But it's just like, there's only the three of you. Yeah, and she... Danny hasn't told, like, this is the first time he's seen. Yeah, this is her literal slap in the face reaction to seeing her son with choke bruises. You were just beating something to pieces and there's only the three of you. So if it wasn't her. Of course it was. Then it was you. (laughs) And her first snap brain judgment. You cannot judge her for that. I'm I'm sorry. And I'm sorry, but Jack, you have a history. Right. I'm right. You do, bud. Like I said, this isn't 20 years down the road and you've been a perfect peach this whole time. Yeah. The, these are recent events. Yeah. As you say, my guy, these are recent events. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but Danny does end up telling them it's Mrs. Massey. Yeah. It, it is interesting, though, that he goes, it was her. Yeah. So then Jack has this moment of like, <laughs> it was you, Wendy. But then his logical brain clicks in and goes, Wendy would never. Yeah. 
harm. She would harm herself before she'd harm this child. Yeah. But like he, it just rises up like a little like, <laughs> like yeah. It was you, you know. Mm. Not even like an anger, but like a victorious feeling, which at is first. very weird, wild. But yeah. So of course, you know, we learn the truth, and everything is kind of settled, and that's mm-hmm. when Jack decides to go assess the situation. Yeah, and Wendy wants to go to the doctor. He, she wants to take him in. Yeah. But the roads are closed. Yep. But she knows that there's a snowmobile on the property. Right. And she's like, we're going to, let's take the snowmobile. Yeah. And Jack's kind of like trying to make excuses. Like, right. well, it might not run or it's right. really old or right. whatever. And oh, he, he must have done this to himself because obviously it wasn't us. Mm-hmm. He thinks it's this lady, mm-hmm. you know, that's preposterous. There's nothing here that's going to hurt him. Like, yeah, it just, he had a fit, you know, it, you know, he's trying to logic it away. Yeah. And he actually goes to the room and at first finds nothing, but then he starts to experience it. He can hear it like behind him. Mm-hmm. Like, and he's like, Hey, yeah, there shouldn't be shower curtains or bath mats. Like those were all removed. Well, I guess someone could have forgotten them, but yeah. then he like hears her on the other side of the door. Mm-hmm. But of course he's like, nah. Nope, that nah, didn't happen. That's, Tells Jack, you know, Danny and Wendy, yeah, nothing was there. And that's, yeah, he's trying to logic away, like, we don't need to do the snowmobile. We don't need to go. We don't need to go. Yeah. Wendy's pretty adamant. She's like, I want you to try the snowmobile. Yeah. And if it runs, we're going to take him to the doctor. Like, right. Period. That's what we're going to do. Right. And Jack is like, irritated. Yeah. Because he doesn't want to go. He doesn't want to leave. He tries to play play it like, okay, that's what we'll do. Yeah. And she feels at peace immediately. But in his mind, he's like mulling over like, we're not leaving. Like, I have to stay for this job. I have to do this. I have to write this. But, you know. Why are you doing this? What is your, you're just holding me back. Right. Kind of thoughts. Yes. And so. Again, like you said earlier, it's like, you're impeding my progress. Yeah. And so he basically breaks the snowmobile. Right. Or takes some part out. Yeah. Which that, that's a really interesting scene too. Cause he's like, oh, he's almost, he's struggling. Right. Cause it's like, he knows this would probably be best for all of them to get the heck Mm -hmm. out of Dodge Mm -hmm. now. This, this is the, the locking of the box moment right Mm -hmm. here. And it's like, oh, you know, okay, we, you know, he's like, okay, well, the battery's gone. I tried. And then he sees the battery box and he's like, crap. Yep. Crap. But I have to stay. And then, so then that's when, that last moment, he takes the, um, the magneto off of the snowmobile and throws it into the snow, which I was like, what the heck's a magneto? Yeah. And it is the... Mount charging coil that powers the ignition system. Mm. So you definitely ain't going anywhere without that. You need it. You need right. it. Right. So. But yeah, just the just the the work of his mind and like the hotel on him. It's just like I could say that I didn't see the battery. Like just the relief he felt when he didn't see the battery. Yeah. And then when it is there, and that's like, well, what's my excuse now? Yeah. <laughs> Which is very weird because it just had me like I. Obviously, it's the hotel. Yeah. That's why he doesn't want to leave. Yeah. But I was just like, it's so strange. Like, what is his hang up here? Why is he so against just taking him on down to the doctor? I think the thing is, is that it's like, this is his job. This is his responsibility. She doesn't just want to take him to the doctor. Like, she wants wants to to leave. leave. Like, we need to leave this hotel, like, to its own devices. Yeah. And he's thinking, this is my job. This is our only lifeline. Like, Mm -hmm. this is it. This is my job, my responsibility. I'm supposed to be, I'm going to, I'm going to write this book now about this hotel. Like, I can't do that if we leave here, you know, all this stuff. I know. 
So, yeah, that's that part was really oof. Yeah. Eye-opening. Yeah. And he has some some more of the like weird thoughts towards Wendy. Yeah. Yeah. That violence <sighs> the in violent his mind thoughts, pops yeah. back up. But then things kind of settle. It's like once mm-hmm. the the possibility of them leaving is gone. Mm-hmm. Things settle for like a short little bit. We yeah. get a short little kind of like calm before the storm mm-hmm. kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. And things are kind of settled and okay. And that's when Danny, like his parents, are upstairs having an afternoon nap. Yeah. And he decides to go down to the playground. Which he's avoided for yeah. the most part. He doesn't right. like it. But I think because Dick told him don't go down there. Yeah. But he's like, oh, well, it's snow covered. Like, I don't think anything's going to happen. You know, yeah. the hedge animals are. <laughs> right. They haven't bothered me. Yeah. You should be fine. You should be fine. Not They're so not fine. fine. <laughs> not so fine. <laughs> no. They chase him. Really? Yeah. And yeah. he has that creepy moment with, like, this entity he just kind of feels, mm-hmm. you know, in, like, the tube that he's playing in. Like, this mm-hmm. whole, like, thing. Like, And, again, you get a kind of a claustrophobic sort of fear. So yeah. another one that he kind of sprinkles in there for yeah. you. But, yeah, the hedge animals come after him, and he gets, he gets injured. He does. He... He gets injured and he runs back and he like is telling his parents the story mm-hmm. and then Jack slaps him yep. right in the face. Yep. And Wendy is like, you said nah. you would never lay a hand on him ever again. Nah. Yeah. Yeah. She's pissed. This time's not an assumption. I watched you do Saw it. Saw it happen. My, my, <laughs> right. My man. This right. Right. No question. Right. And Jack does feel bad. Like, he does. He's got like guilt and remorse. And again, him and Wendy actually kind of have a moment like a bit of time later where she's like, you know, I'm sorry I snapped at you like, but you said you wouldn't do that. And he's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I know. You know, they, yeah. they, they try and smooth things, but it's like getting to a point where like Things are becoming unsmoothable. Yeah, you, <laughs> you can't know? just keep... It's not going to continue to work. It, right. And at this point, like, we can acknowledge he's being heavily influenced oh, by yeah. the hotel. It's, it's very, not just him. It's but. very obvious. It's, like, amping up everything yeah. inside of him. Yeah. So. But days do end up passing. hmm Jack is, like, spending a lot of time in the basement. Mm-hmm. We're in that dang scrapbook, I guess. Yeah. Um, I think during this time is when we kind of get the first time Jack hallucinates that he's at the bar. Yeah, like he has like a short little a visit short. to the to the bar with yeah. Lloyd Grady in there. Yeah, and uh, I don't think he knows his name yet. There's just like right. a bartender in there. Yeah, is there a bartender or is there just a drink? I think the bartender is there. Yeah, but it's just a short encounter, and Jack doesn't actually get drunk. He just imagines himself having a drink. Yeah. But then it realizes it wasn't real and right. doesn't have any physical effects from it. Right. He does start having headaches, though. Yeah. And this is when, like, Wendy gives him, like, aspirin, but he wants Excedrin. Yeah, like, earlier on in the story, he had started having headaches. Yeah. And he got himself Excedrin, and he's, like, chewing, chewing the tablets, it. which is a thing he used to do yeah. when he would drink. Yeah. And that's also when he makes the call to... All men and just basically is like talking shit. Right. I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna, gonna write, write a book of the book. And Al calls him and is like, No, you're sure not. Yeah. yeah. And but of course, like, that's all when the phones are still working. Yeah. And, and they're able to get to town. Get to and town. Stuff, yeah. So that was kind of brewing ahead of yeah, time it was. as well. <laughs> so right. But, but that makes him think like you know. Then now Al's against him and doesn't yeah. is is trying to impede his progress and keep him from writing this. As you call it, his magnum opus of a book. Yeah. 
the pinnacle of his career. Right. So, yeah. And Danny is noticing, like, that his dad is is right. being taken by right. the hotel. And Wendy does, too. Yeah. She, she, like, when he really starts to, like, lose it, she knows that she's like, oh, it's this place. Yeah. Well, and, and Jack and, or not, Wendy and Danny actually have, like, a, a moment where she's like, okay, what do you think we should do? Mm-hmm. Like, she's... Again, acknowledging that her son kind of has a second sight. She's like, do you want to stay? We could leave. Mm -hmm. But if we leave, we'll have to go to my mother's house. And Danny's like, I don't want to be there. Yeah. Which the fact that being with this emotionally abusive woman is scarier to him than this hotel. That says a lot. That says a lot. And also, he doesn't want to be separated from his dad. Yeah. He does. Him and Jack do you have, like, a very specific bond? Mm-hmm. And he really does love his dad. Right. Despite so. the pain, physical and emotional pain he has caused him. Yeah. But yeah, he can't fathom leaving him yeah. behind, and that's, you yeah. know, and then that's after that, the snowmobile, snowmobile is no longer an option. And, and you know. Yeah. And they're stuck there. But, yeah, they can see the deterioration, but at this point, they're stuck. They're stuck. And, of course, as he's descending into madness, he's like, they're talking. They've talked about me. They've yeah. had a discussion. Because I think Wendy says, yeah, we kind of, you know, I made sure with Danny, you know, that, you know, he was, this is what he he wanted to stay, you know, kind of mm-hmm. thing. And then Jack just spirals that into, yeah. they're conspiring against me. They're conspiring <laughs> against me. Yeah. That's, he's super paranoid about mm-hmm. them. And obviously the hotel is making that uh, even worse. Right. And so he, you know, his thoughts are becoming more and more violent. Right. Particularly against Wendy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting because he has been physically violent against Danny a couple times now. Yeah. We don't ever really hear of any physical violence towards Wendy. Right. Other than his threats in his mind or his right. bad thoughts in his mind. Mm-hmm. So it is very, I, I, I just thought of that. It's like Danny has had physical violence, but she hasn't. But yeah. she's the one that he is like really actively hates more. Mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is crazy. But now we're real. We're at the climax here. Yeah. But this, yeah, this is when he has the big bar scene. Yeah. The big bar scene where he's. He's at the hotel bar and it's filled with all these other patrons and then there's parties and he dances with the woman who feels naked in her dress. Yeah. And that, that scene, again, like that whole scene, like felt long and dra- drawn it, out. It did and, feel really long. And stuff, but. And Grady is there mm-hmm. and he's like the one who's talking to Jack and mm-hmm. telling him all these things. And mm-hmm. then there's the, the dog man guy who's like. <laughs> Yeah, at the party. At the party. Like he's is it Derwent that he's there with or I one think of so. one of the owners or something. I think, like yeah. kind of coerced this man to come to the party dressed as a dog and, and Yeah. It and he like begs for drinks or whatever. Yeah. It's weird. And Grady is essentially telling Jack that he needs to, like, get Wendy and Danny in line and punish them. Right. Because of the way that they're acting. Right. He's like, I did that with mine. Yeah. They started to get out of line and I took care of it. Yeah. I think, didn't he hack his daughters, like, with an axe or, like, didn't he chop them up or something? I think so. And then he shot Shot himself himself and his, I think he shot his wife and himself. But I think the kids, it was, like, more Yeah, I think you're right. Which we never, we never get any, like, ghost of the kids or the wife. Right. Just, just Grady. Yeah. 
in the bar. Right. But yeah, that party is just like all weird and yeah. it's all like midnight's mask off is like a thing like throughout the book. Yeah. I think it's, I do like too that like the internal thoughts are like parentheses. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't know. It's just, I like the differentiation between like real thought or a real statement made by the character and then like an intrusive thought mm-hmm. is kind of like you can, you can separate them. Yeah. So this would be, I think, if someone just like fully listened to this book, they would kind of be missing out. Oh, uh, yeah. Or it would be a little confusing yeah. at times if you're not fully paying attention. Paying attention. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah. And Grady is also the one who's like, maybe punish them with the Roke mallet. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't know what Roke is, it's like croquet, but fancier or something. That's Which basically croquet, how it's described. I, I also, I feel like croquet is already like fancy. So yeah. Roke being like even, and Ullman makes a comment about it in the very beginning about yeah. Roke versus croquet. Right. Right. And, and yeah. And like in the party scene, cause we kind of hear throughout too, like the red death comes for all. And like mm-hmm. this masked party is like kind of a thing. Like mm-hmm. we even have like bits of it infiltrating other parts of the hotel, like the elevator and the confetti and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But yeah, I was kind of curious. I was trying to just like look up the quote cause I couldn't find it in the book quick enough for my liking. So I was trying to find like the I think it's the red death comes for all or something like I that. Think, I think um, right. But I was trying to look up where in the book, like I could find one of those little statements. And I found that it, I believe is a reference to like an Edgar Allan Poe thing, the mask of the red death. And which is, I guess, is it one of his stories? It's not really a poem. It's like a short yeah. story or whatever, but I was like, Oh, okay. So he's like doing a little homage to Edgar Allan Poe. And you told me, you said that they make a reference to Edgar Allan Poe earlier in the book. Yeah, Jack, at some point, he's thinking about something or thinking through something, and Edgar Allan Poe comes into his brain, and it it almost seems a little bit like Jack is, like, critical Mm -hmm. of Poe, but Stephen King himself has openly stated that Poe is an influence, so I don't know. I wonder if it's a jealousy thing. Potentially. Because he is not. He's not the great American writer like right, Poe. Right, So, yeah. But yeah, Maybe. I thought that was a cool nod that I just kind of stumbled upon mm-hmm. in, in trying to Google something because I was lazy. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. I thought that was a fun little tidbit. But yeah, the people, these party goers, I would not want to attend to this party. Uh, yeah, no. No thank you. Yeah. <laughs> but while he's at this party, Grady's also giving him martinis. Yes. And drinks. Yeah, so and he's it's like the juniper smell, and you know, and this time the drinks are making him drunk. Yeah, and, and there's stuff. like you could smell it. Yeah, yep. yeah. Ooh, and then like the party disappears, and then he's kind of like in a daze a bit, but then he's mm-hmm. like, oh, the alcohol's still here, so he like climbs back behind the bar. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if he hurts himself or he just passes out. I don't know. I think. He might actually, like, hit his head a little, but I think he's fine. Right, right. But that's when Wendy and Danny go to find him. Mm-hmm. And he's not himself. No. <laughs> and Wendy's looking around, and she can't find liquor. She's like, because she could smell it. Yeah, And yeah. he's clearly, like, acting drunk, but she can't find any actual liquor. Right. Well, and she finds him, and she's like, oh, my God, are you okay? Are you, you know, trying to help mm-hmm. him up. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, he's kind of like, gotcha. Yeah. Excuse me? <laughs> yeah. Whoa. That was so creepy. It was really creepy. Because, like, yeah, she's like, oh, my God, are you okay? You know? It's yeah. Like, gotcha. 
Uh-huh. Oh, this was a trap. Yeah. Oh. It Things was. are popping off now. This is the point. And he, he like, grabs her by the throat. And he's, yeah. like, it was a very long sequence here yes. while he's strangling her. Yeah. And I was like, ooh, is she, is, is she really going to die here? Yeah, yeah. Danny tries to, like, jump on him and get him off, and he can't. Right. Obviously, he's five. Right. But Wendy manages to, like, grab an empty wine bottle that's used for decor. Right. And smash him over the head with it. Right. And get free. Yeah. And uh, and then, so he's out. So her and Danny drag him into the pantry, mm-hmm. which this scene, it, it's... It, like, builds that tension, right? Because it's, yeah. like, they're dragging him. It's hard. He's much bigger than them. Right. And, um, and but she's still thinking of his well-being. Yeah. She's not, like, I'm going to lock him in the freezer and kill him. Right. She But she's, like, if I put him in the pantry, he'll have food. Yeah. So he'll survive. We'll still have access to the kitchen until I can figure out what the hell we're right. going to do. But, you know, so, but her getting him in there and then him starting to wake up and her, like, mm-hmm. getting the bolt off of, you know, getting yeah. the bolt off the pantry to even open it. And, like, you know, she's fumbling and Danny's like, you're not doing it right because yeah. you're panicked. Yeah. And the whole scene was very tension rising. It was. It and was. He, and even before this, like, Wendy, like you said earlier, like, she was kind of noticing his change. She starts, like, carrying a knife yeah. in her robe. She does. Like, kind of keeping that in her back pocket just in case things went sideways. And yeah. Unfortunately, she didn't have the knife on her, I don't think. Or if she did, it, like, got knocked away from her. So. Yeah, I think he knocks the knife away from yeah. her. Yeah. So, but after some fumbling and some tension, she gets him locked in that pantry. Whew. Yeah. And I can't remember at what point, but, like, the hotel's in full, like, action now. So, oh, like, yeah. They're, they've been having occurrences of the hotel elevator moving and kind of hearing voices. And Wendy is hearing voices mm-hmm. and things like that. Jack and- says that he didn't before this, but. Yeah. Uh. But yeah, Wendy's even like noticing and feeling things. And mm-hmm. I think Danny, does Danny see the dog man when Jack is in the pantry or is that before? I think he sees the dog man when Jack is in the pantry. Okay. So we're, we're about to that point. Yeah. I, I couldn't remember. But so yeah, they get him locked in the pantry. And so he's in there and they have like a small reprieve. Like she's like, I got to figure out what we got. <laughs> Yeah, they're, like, in their rooms and... Yeah, but, yeah, Danny's, like, in the hallway and he sees that dog man, like, being awful and disgusting towards him. And that's when he's, like, screaming out Mm -hmm. for Halloran. Or Mm -hmm. at least one of the moments. Because at this point, he's like, we're in danger. Help, 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 you know. Um, So he's calling out to Halloran. But then it gets to a point where the hotel cuts off his... Connection. Yeah. It's almost like it puts a, a, a cloud over it and mm-hmm. he can't get thoughts outside of the hotel anymore. Yeah. And that's kind of when we get to switch to Halloran's Halloran. point of view, right? Mm-hmm. And so Halloran gets his message. He's like at work actively. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he gets his message and he like can feel how it like urgent it yes. is. So he like basically drops everything. He tells his boss that his kid was shot. Yeah. And he like hightails it out of mm-hmm. there and he's like i have to get there i have to get there right and so we get several intermittent povs with halloran of his journey trying to get to the hotel yes. which is fraught with issues yes he's like gets pulled over by this cop and he misses the first flight but then he manages to get another flight mm-hmm. and the flight is really like bumpy and treacherous because of the weather. And when he gets to Colorado, getting the car and mm-hmm. driving, the roads are insane, especially yeah. the farther he gets through the mountains. 
He's scared. Mm-hmm. The roads are horrible. He almost flies right off the edge. Right. He meets a really nice tow truck guy that kind of yeah. gives him a little tip. Yeah. And uh, and helps him out and stuff. And then he... Gives him mittens. Yeah. And then he's able to get a snow ski. Mm-hmm. Or a... Snowmobile. Snowmobile and, and stuff like that. But, like, you know, it like you said, it's kind of sprinkled throughout yeah. these, like, scenes back at the hotel. So it's, like, building the tension. Right. Of, like him getting there is he gonna get there in time you know Mm -hmm. as like all these other things are going on yeah it really like the way that the chapters on and off on and off Mm -hmm. it's really it quickens your pace so much because you're like here and there and here and there and is Mm -hmm. he gonna make it is he not gonna make Mm -hmm. it things at the hotel are deteriorating quickly yep so yeah and the the hotel itself is like basically like wants jack to succeed right. so then it like lets him out of the pantry <laughs> right yeah it lets it and and it, the hotel actually yells at halloran too some pretty nasty things mm-hmm. it does as he gets closer it's trying to psychically block him yeah or stop him or impede him yeah. as well by shouting at him it does yeah but i mean that just makes him go okay i really gotta get gotta there. get there because he understands what's going on right i mean and he has a couple moments of doubt like you know how why am i doing this for people i don't even know and he's mm-hmm. like but i do know danny we did have a connection like Mm-hmm. He needs me. If not me, who else? Yeah. You know, so he really he really takes on this hero role that no one would blame him for not doing because yeah. it sounds nuts. It does sound nuts. But he knows he has to do this. Yeah, he does. Or it's going to be bad. Right. Even He even has, like, foreboding about himself. Like, he mm-hmm. has these feelings like he might not come back from this. Yeah. But he still decides to do it anyway, mm-hmm. which is, wow. Really admirable yes very admirable so so selfless he's a really selfless character very much very much just so warm and kind and i just love him i know i know but like you said the hotel has other plans and it basically lets jack out of the pantry yeah because he wakes up like as soon as they lock him in the yeah. pantry and he's just sitting there like seething yeah at his... first he's like banging on the pantry and yeah. then he kind of gets tired of that <laughs> after a while and he's, and he's eating like, crackers yeah he's and... eating all these crackers and just just uh like just rumine just stewing in all those stewing, hateful thoughts yeah and, and that's when he's kind of like yeah you want me right the hotel needs me i mean you don't need them and it's just yeah. like yeah go punish them and you know yeah this whole thing exactly and so it just like just opens the pantry and Mm -hmm. sitting right there when he gets out is a martini and the roke mallet yep whereas wendy is up in the room with danny she's like trying to like keep him calm and safe and she's like but we gotta eat so she's like well i can i can oh yeah i made that sandwich earlier i'll 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 go back down and get that Mm -hmm. because i think she had like made them lunch when she went to go find Jack. Jack. And so it's still down there. She's like, oh, I'll go down there and get it. Though I can't hear him thumping in the pantry. He should still be in there. Yeah, she is kind of, it is that idea of like the, whenever he was like pounding on the door and screaming, that is scary in its own right. But also whenever it's silent, Mm -hmm. then you have no, at least when he's banging on the door, you know where he is. Right. But whenever it's just silence, you have no idea. Like, is he still in there? Right. So she's like... She's treading carefully, but... Yeah, she's not, like, I gotta go check. Not carefully enough. Nope. not. She does take the knife with her. Yes, yeah. But he gets the drop on her, and he... He, he wrecks her. I was... I was really like, can she take much more of this? 
I honestly thought that too. I was like, this must be like mom adrenaline, you know? Yeah. Because not at any moment was that, you know, like, because at movies and stuff, you can be like, get up. You need to keep moving. Like, she is struggling and trying the whole time. She's not at one point trying to give up. Because he like... Hits her. Hits her in the head, hits her in the leg, hits her in the rib. She's got, she definitely has ribs, like, just, like, jabbing into her organs, oh, yeah. her lungs or something. And she is still, like, I gotta get to my son. Yeah, she's, like, <laughs> bleeding from the ear. Her ribs are broken. Her femur is mm. broken. Like, he hits her in the back. I was like, she's yeah. definitely paralyzed. Right. I know. And at one point, <laughs> I thought she was. Me too. And I think she gets a couple blows in, but not really. Other than the knife to his lower back or yeah. mid back. Yeah. She doesn't really get any, like, fatal blows. But he's, like, fueled and juiced by the hotel. So, like, this is not really stopping him. Yeah. It slowed him down a smidge. Yeah, I think he, like, does go down initially, mm-hmm. and she's trying that really That buys her some time. To get up the stairs. Yeah. And he, but he still catches up to her, and that's when yeah. he hits her in the back, and I yeah. was like, yeah, she's paralyzed. Yeah. This yeah. is it. Yep. <laughs> I don't remember exactly how she, she manages to get back up to their rooms and yes. locks herself in the bathroom. Yeah. Yeah, she gets into the room, and, and he's getting through that bedroom door. Danny's yeah. not there. Because she, she yeah. goes up there to find Danny. Danny's not in there. And she's right. like, okay, well, he's somewhere else. He's coming after me, I guess. I just need to figure out how to keep myself safe and hope that Danny's... Hiding or safe something. somewhere. Yeah. But yeah, then she locks herself in the bathroom. Yeah. And he starts to break in even there. He breaks yeah. through the bedroom door. He breaks through the bathroom door. Yeah. And, and she's just... I mean, she's just totally wrecked, but... She is. Doesn't she... Does she get a mirror piece or something and try and, like, kind of... And she's, like, cut... Oh, no, she gets razor razor blades. blades. Yeah. Okay. Like, sorry, that was a gross noise, but it just... The razor blades on the fingers? Oh, my God. That was... Oh! I couldn't... I can't do it. That was rough. That was rough for me as well. I mean, like, you felt her desperation and, like, her doing it to him, but then, yeah, when it would, like, catch her own, I'm like, oh! Yeah. I can't... I can't take, because you could, you feel it. I mean, yeah. like. You do feel it. Oof. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah. And, uh, but she's, she's fighting the good fight, trying to get him off. And then that's when they hear the buzzing of a. Snowmobile. Snowmobile. Yeah. And Jack runs to figure out what that is. And like, so Wendy kind of gets like a momentary reprieve. Yeah. And she basically. From this onslaught. Yeah. She basically like falls face first onto the bed. And yeah. like passes out. Yeah, for, like, a short bit. A short I mean, while, yeah. Understandably so. Yeah, and this is when Halloran is getting to the grounds, mm-hmm. and then he's attacked by the hedge animals. Mm-hmm. But he manages to, like, get away from them. See, at one point, I thought they had gotten him. I thought they I thought they were going to fully stop him And I was first. like, if he did all of this to get stopped by a hedge animal, I am... I'm done with it. I'm ripping this book and... I'm done with it. <laughs> Yeah, but luckily he manages to get away from them, and he gets into the lobby, and Jack is there waiting for him. I know. He he doesn't even, like, he's trying to be cautious, but, like, he also doesn't know what he's running into, and he's running out of danger, so he didn't get to, like, enter cautiously. Right, he, yeah. Or at least as cautiously as I'm sure he would have liked to. Yeah, (laughs) and Jack just wallops him right in the head with the mallet. yep. He hits him twice. He hits him once, like, in the head and once in the face and yeah. breaks his teeth. Yeah, breaks his jaw and, like, Which, you know. Which, oof, yeah. the teeth. Yeah, yeah. Uh. Just the idea of, like, his whole jaw, like, getting broke. And then, like, you know, later they talk about, like, how swollen it mm-hmm. is and, oof. 
Yeah, it sucks so bad. But so he's like down. Right. And Jack forgets about Wendy. Right. He's and is like, going for Danny. Right. He's like, where's the kid? Yep. Because that's the hotel's main goal. Whether Jack will accept it or not, the hotel wants Danny and wants Danny to be part of it. Yeah. So it can have his powers. Mm -hmm. I would imagine just so it has the ability to hurt more people. Yeah. Because before, anyone who did have a shine that was in the hotel, like, the ghost couldn't hurt them. That's why Dick told Danny that. But Mm -hmm. with the strength of Danny's shine, it's like they have more power over him. And I think that that Danny Shine would allow them to have more power over other Others. people. Yeah, right. So yeah, Jack goes after Danny now. Yeah, and this is where like Jack is yelling, "Come and take your medicine," which he's been saying it yeah. this whole time. But yeah. now he's like screaming it at Danny, and Danny's right. running. Jack's swinging this mallet around, bashing the walls. Right. Which at one point earlier in the story, we do learn that Jack's—that's what Jack's dad, dad. would say. Yeah. Because he was also an alcoholic. And really abusive. And to he his was mom. physically abusive to the kids and the mom. Yeah. But Jack's mom was like, she didn't fight for them. She was just yeah. like, they kind of described her as just like a shell of a woman. So yeah. she, like, she didn't try and protect her children or herself. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I think he resents her for that. Yeah. But yeah, so it, it, yeah, he's using these words that instilled fear in him as a kid against his own. And he's like hitting the. It always talks about how the rope mallet's like hitting the silk walls of the of the hotel hallway and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But yeah, I can't remember. I think Danny just starts like kind of trying to get through to him. Mm-hmm. He's just like, you know, I know you're not my dad. Yeah. And he's trying to. Oh, and then he has a moment with I think it's right before Jack finds him. He has a moment with Tony. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which right. we find out Tony is. Danny's real full name is Daniel Anthony Torrance. Yeah. So Tony is future Danny. Future Danny, or like a piece of himself inside, you know, what, however you want to think of it, mm-hmm. that has been sending these messages to him. Yeah. So. And he says to remember what he's forgotten. Yeah. So meaning j- what Jack's forgotten. Right. Right. So there's something that Jack's forgotten that Danny's trying to figure out. Yeah. Danny's like trying to get to the attic maybe or get it, you know, somewhere safe, but he's kind of stopped. So then he's like face to face with Jack, Jack, quote unquote. Yeah. He's basically like, you're not my dad. Like, I know this, you know, and then Jack comes through. Mm -hmm. And that moment was, I wouldn't say it's like a redemptive moment necessarily, but like it, I do think it's nice for Danny to have had a last moment with his dad where it was his dad. Yeah. He was like, you need to run. I love you. Go. Yeah. And then, and then Jack was fully overtaken. Yeah. And it's kind of a sick scene too, because then the, the hotel possessed, you know, or the hotel possession, basically the hotel is in him now. And he's like, okay, no need for masks. And he starts like slamming his own face with the, the roke mallet. And Mm. his face is like just red and bloody. And like, it just talks about like how deformed it is. And he's like, okay, here's my true face. Yeah. You know, let's let's do this, you mm-hmm. know, and starts coming after Danny. Yeah. And I don't know what makes him run. I think he realizes it at the same time Danny does. Yeah. The boiler. Yeah. Because I think Danny kind of taunts him with it a little bit. He's like, there's something that my daddy forgot. So he far- forgot and you forgot. Yeah. You know? Like, this place is going to blow. <laughs> yeah. And so Jack runs to the basement because he's mm-hmm. like, no, we can't let this happen. Right. 
And then Wendy finds Halloran and she's trying to like wake him up. And then Danny comes into the lobby as well. And right. so the three of them are together. Hobbling out. Hobbling out. And <laughs> Danny manages to run back to their room and get them some like clothes and stuff. Yes. Yeah. And they get out just as Jack manages to pull the lever on the boiler, but right. it's too late. Right. He thinks like, ah, I got it just <laughs> in time. Victory. No, you sure did not. And then it explodes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so Jack is killed. Right. In the explosion. But Halloran and Danny and Wendy all get out. Yeah. And they get on the snowmobile that Halloran rode up and they go down yeah. to Sidewinder. The um, the hedge animals kind of try to stop them, but then... They lose their steam as the hotel burns. Right. Now, there is an interesting moment where Halloran gets to the shed, because he needs to get some blankets. Even though they have mm-hmm. clothes, like, it's not warm enough. Right. And, you know, it's a long ride long on a ride. snowmobile to Sidewinder. And Wendy's, like, in her nightgown. Right. She's, like, basically naked almost. Right. I think that Danny got her, like, some boots and stuff, but that's yeah. not going to be enough. Right. You know? And uh, when he goes to get some blankets, then he starts even having intrusive thoughts, like, get that rogue mallet that's yeah. over there. And, yeah. But he's able to shake it off. He's able, yeah. And he's like, yeah, this place can burn. And luckily, like, something from the hotel, like, explodes and, like, lands even in the um, the shed after they are, like, driving yeah. away. So even the shed itself, like, the, the whole property is just is, decimated. Yeah. It's by ruined. this explosion. Yep. So they get down the mountain and the guy who rented the snowmobile to Halloran, I think they go there. Because he did say like, he's like, if you do get that kid out of there, because he had a bit of a shine, I think. And his Uh, wife. Yeah. He was like, if you do that, get that kid out of there, you send, you send them or you guys come to my, my house. My wife will have soup Soup. ready or something sweet. Yeah. So that is how that part ends. And I don't, I don't think this is necessarily an epilogue, mm-hmm. but it's like the last yeah. chapter we flash forward. Yeah. It's the time. following summer. Yeah. And Wendy and Danny are in Maine. Mm-hmm. They're at this restaurant. Danny is fishing off the dock and Halloran is the cook there. Yeah. I don't know what their life is like outside of this, but it's like, it seems like they went there to visit him, him. specifically. Yeah. And he like set aside, like he already asked like for a room for them, like mm-hmm. well before they even came. Like, yeah. So like we said earlier, like this is their little, they've all kind of trauma bonded. Yeah. You know? So. And I think they're there because Wendy does get like $40,000 of insurance money because mm-hmm. of Jack's death. Right. And they're there, I think, looking at a house. Yeah, because Al money. Shockley, of all people, is, like, working his ways to, like, get Wendy a job. Right. Which, when Jack was still Jack, he did have a moment, which was, like, another one of those, like, if he had just done it, you know, then things would have been okay kind of thing. Like, at least for Wendy and Danny. <laughs> He had this thought of like I could just let the boiler blow, mm-hmm. and Wendy and Danny, Wendy and Danny would have to time out. to get out, and she can collect the insurance money, and everything mm-hmm. will be fine. Yeah. But then the hotel's like, you don't want to do that, yeah. and he doesn't. And Danny even like wakes up from a nap, thinking says like that they narrowly just escaped like a horrible 
fate or something mm-hmm. like that. So I thought that was kind of cool. But yeah, so there's some like life insurance, mm-hmm. which is which is good. You good. Should, if you have a spouse and you have a home and you have, especially if you have a kid, like you should have some life insurance so that yeah. one of you isn't like completely up a creek with debt and payments that they can't take care of. It's not yeah. just, you know, the payment of burying someone, but also them being financially okay to support themselves and take care of the things that you guys have bought together. Yeah. 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 With the idea of two incomes that are now one. Right. Yeah. And also make a will. Yes. Just make a will. If you own anything. Yeah. I don't own a will, but we do have life insurance. If you have a bank account, make (laughs) a will. Because if something happens to you. Or at least make a beneficiary. Because, yeah, if you don't have beneficiaries, then it goes to, like, probate or something. It does go to probate. very complicated and awful. Probate is long and painful for everyone. It's not quick. It's not just it goes to probate, the judge looks at it, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's... Some people have their shit in probate for upwards of 10 years. Right. So avoid probate yep. by making a will. Yeah. <laughs> it's super simple. Like, yeah. it doesn't have to be a crazy, wild document. It right. just, you know, you can find an attorney for cheap, write your will. Right. It's notarized. Bing, bang, boom. Right. That's it. Yep. So, I mean, just just do it. Just, <laughs> just do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, and that's The Shining. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I guess we didn't say, but, like, they visit Haller and they have kind of, like, a nice, yeah. like, kind of talking things through, kind of healing moment. But, yeah, mm-hmm. they're all just going to kind of hopefully move on with their lives. And be okay. And be okay. Yeah. Despite the horrors that they have yep. endured. And so, the loss. Yeah. So. But yeah. that's it. Yay. Hooray. We have a blurb on the film here from 1980. I have not seen it. I've only seen bits and pieces of it, but it, yes, it was released in 1980. It was produced and directed by Stanley Kubrick, but co-written, the the screenplay was co-written with um, a woman named Diane Johnson. Mm. I don't want to talk too much about it just because I I think we're going to do a, we watch movies about it and and discuss like the differences and and stuff like that. But I, I have heard and read that King had mixed feelings at first, you know, he kind of praised the, um aesthetic mm-hmm. of the film but as time went on his distaste for the adaptation grew um he just he had some criticisms to do with the lack of character development for both jack and wendy mm-hmm. and i've seen and just in things that i know like loosely about the film kubrick really did divert from the original text and made it his own thing mm-hmm. you know so and i've seen behind the scenes stories of kubrick just like as a director and apparently he like emotionally tortured the actress uh shelly duvall who played um wendy to like get her in the quote-unquote right mindset for like scenes in the film mm-hmm. so i mean that's just an awful way to be as a it, director. It really is. Yeah. If she's not a good enough actress to be whatever she needs to be for the scene, like cast someone else. Cast someone else. Like don't be a sadistic turd bag and yeah, like you torture don't... the poor woman. Which yeah. I'm certain Shelley Duvall could have done a great job. Yeah. And also, like, if she was in that heightened of terror, it's like, was she able to be the strong yeah, cause, Wendy, like, that we see in the book? Like, I don't know, but... Yeah, because, so. I mean, Jack is terrorizing Wendy, and yeah. she is afraid, but she's also got that part of her that's like, 
I have to keep fighting this. I have to fight this because of Danny. Right. So it's not just her being terrified. Right. It's her like fighting with Jack. Right. So I, I'm I'm really excited for us to to watch that and be able to compare because like I said, I haven't sat down and watched it all the mm-hmm. way through. I just know bits and pieces. So. Yeah. Um, there is a mini series that was released in 1997 by ABC and. Um, I found that, like, King seemed to like that better, though I believe it still took its own, like, artistic liberties, mm-hmm. um, but it's said to be more faithful to the book, so. I can see how, I honestly, I really sympathize with old Steve on mm-hmm. his feelings, because I know, like, if I wrote something and it was adapted to the screen... And the director just, like, took a left mm-hmm. and wasn't, like, I feel like in that, if I was ever in that situation, I would have to be, like, I would have to be one of the screenwriters. I would have to be yeah. an EP, like, everything. I would need so much creative control that it almost w- wouldn't be worth it for a studio to do because I would be <laughs> like, no, no. Right. No. I kind of wonder how the deal went because it all has to do with who owns the rights to what and like mm-hmm. what parts of it. And like if if King made a deal, like I, I, I don't know what the deal was, but mm-hmm. obviously he didn't get to have as much um, creative input. Yeah. And that's just crazy to me. But maybe yeah. he was told things that didn't actually come to fruition or he just was like, sweet movie money. Like, I, yeah. you know, I don't know. But <laughs> and it's also like because this was made in 1980, so many things that had been adapted to film from books at that point were written by people who were already dead. Yeah. So this is probably one of the early instances of the author being alive mm-hmm. and there to react to the the work that was made. Yeah. So he didn't have the hindsight that we kind of have, right? Yeah. We've seen time and time again adaptations that aren't faithful to the source material and right. how much it suffers for it. So hindsight is obviously 2020. Yeah. So now we're in a situation where I think a lot of authors who are finding their works adapted are making sure that in the negotiation process they're like hey i i'm part of this <laughs> i am gonna be in one of like the boss's seats here yeah i'm not these are my characters right. I'm, I'm championing not, for this to right. be done correctly yeah which i i hope is especially for things like on the horizon yeah right when we going into maybe like the new harry potter series or uh the Avatar series you yeah know? It's questionable, but, you know, how how much are they going to go to the map for their characters and their story? I don't know if uh, this is a random bit of news. I don't know if you've heard about it, but the Grishaverse, Mm -hmm. the, you know... um, Shadow and Bone. Shadow and Bone. That Netflix canceled that. Oh, did it? And so they won't be getting any more Shadow and Bone. They won't be getting any, uh, I say they, like the fans. Yeah. <laughs> um, won't be getting any more or any uh, Six of Crows, like spinoff or anything. Like, And people are upset. But, because the actors are so well chosen, but... It was also its own thing. It wasn't true to the books. But the author, Lee Bardugo, intended it to be that way. Mm. Such an odd situation. Like, what, you know, but I guess it was just like a way for her to play with what ifs or something. But yeah. That's not that, the place. That didn't work out. <laughs> that's not the place to do it. I mean, she's the writer. You know, she right. can do whatever she wants. It's just a bad choice. Right. I personally know? disagree with the choice, but that was personally, her choice. Yeah. But yeah, I, a lot of people are super bummed out that yeah. that, that is no longer going to be moving forward. So that's kind of a danger with the Akatar and 
stuff coming up too. It's yeah. like you, you hope it's handled properly. I, th I think in that sense, especially something with the social media, the internet, the way people take such ownership of these like series that they really love so much. Mm -hmm. I think as a writer, if you are going to take that to the screen, that all comes into play. Like the reason you're going along with an adaptation should be for the people who love your books and have supported you. Yeah. Because at that point, you've written the story. There's nothing else for you to tell. Right. On that particular story. So you're adapting it for the fans. Mm -hmm. That's what you should be doing. Mm -hmm. And so you should have in mind what they're going to be looking for. Right. So Lee Bardugo making the choice to do it the way she did it mm -hmm. as maybe a part of her own, like wish fulfillment, mm -hmm. alternate endings, whatever. Right. And I don't know if that was her intention. I just know that she had made a statement that it was like, this isn't, yeah, it's not the same, but that's because this is kind of a separate universe type thing, or I don't know. Which doesn't make any sense. It's still <gasps> called Shadow and Bone. Right. It still has the same characters right. and the same general, like, right. beginning. I mean, I'm glad that a lot of the book fans were, like, super thrilled about it enough to be devastated that it's gone. Yeah. Me personally... After I watched the first season and realized that some things were different, mm -hmm. I was no longer interested. I only watched a handful of episodes. I thought everything looked amazing. Yeah, like, the actors did an incredible the job. actors were awesome. Uh, I just, when I realized that they were doing the Shadow and Bone timeline at the same time as the Six of Crows timeline, yeah. I was like, I don't like this. I think uh, yeah, that this, bummed me out. This deserved its own, mm -hmm. and this deserved its own. Right, agreed. So I just didn't. I didn't love it. Right. So I stopped watching it and uh, didn't ever go back, which is a bummer because I really liked who played Alina, mm -hmm. and yeah. I really I thought that Ben Barnes really did the Darkling well. Yes. I wish they would have called him the Darkling and not whatever name they gave him. <laughs> I didn't remember that they didn't call him that. I, I just, I don't like it whenever they change. Like the, he's the villain, call him the Darkling. Right. That's like what he's called. Or right. like in Game of Thrones, they don't call uh, the big like evil force in the world mm -hmm. of A Song of Ice and Fire. They're called the Others. Mm-hmm. But in the show, they don't call them that. They just call them all, like, White Walkers. Mm. Which, in the books, I think the term White Walker is used maybe once. But generally, they call those beings, they're kind of like ice zombies. Yeah. They call them Whites. Oh. Like, W-I-G-H-T. Yeah. And then they those are, like, pawns used by the others. Interesting. Which is kind of like a... Um, Even more overarching. Yeah, it, it's kind of like an unknown, nobody really knows, mm -hmm. like... That myth. makes it more ominous and kind of cool. It is, it, yeah. It's like a very nebulous kind of idea. Yeah. And that turns out to be real, but most people just think is like old wives' tales. Mm -hmm. But they're like the others. And... The others do not show up in yeah. the show at all. Yeah. Which I... Hmm. That was, like, the first irk. Yeah. Was just repetitively people saying the term white walker. And I'm like, that's used, like, twice. Right. We generally... These are the whites or the others. Right. But whatever. You're like, stop itching my brain the wrong way. <laughs> yeah. <it> was... <laughs> or scratching my brain the wrong way, I guess. <laughs> the first irk of many. Right. So. Right. So uh, I'm sure we'll have plenty of irks to share when we when we watch the film and or 
the uh, the mini series. So yeah, but like uh, my, my final thoughts, I I really enjoyed this book. I really liked the different POVs. Um, I thought it was very cool and emotionally effective to see the story like unfold from their different perspectives and emotional responses. Um, I've already gushed like throughout just like how much I like Wendy and just like all the character development and mm-hmm. interaction and mm-hmm. struggle. It just, you know, I think a lot of people just think of this as a horror book, you yeah. know, especially like the movie. If it doesn't have the same character development, then it's. That, to me, is, like, the main focus. The horror is just, like, an added little thrill. Yeah. But really, these characters and their interactions is, like, the heart of it. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I just really, I really liked it. I loved um, the way that King wrote. As we said earlier, there were some, like, spots where he kind of throws, like, a curveball, like, word, phrase, sentence, action, like, in there at you that you're like, eh, that I didn't need that, that. was too much. Yeah, oh, that was just a little too much. <laughs> um, or there were some like laggy spots or something. But overall, I think it's a super well written book. I just I really I really enjoyed reading it. Um, so for me, it would be a four out of five stars. And I think in the past, like I've maybe like, well, but I gave this book this or that. I'm trying to maybe switch it a little and just think of the books as like an individual entity Mm -hmm. and out of five, how I feel about it. Because it's also a different type of book than maybe some of the others that we've read. Yeah. So I try and, and tell my brain, okay, don't compare it to that though. Just as a book, what is the quality level? And I feel like... Although there were, like, a couple things I, I didn't vibe with or, like, were baggy, laggy or whatever, it's it's a really well-written book and should be a favorite. Mm-hmm. It, it's earned that spot to me, and it's actually made me want to read more Stephen King. He's, mm-hmm. he's a very accomplished writer and, and loved for a good reason. So. Yeah. I liked it. I agree. I think, obviously, Stephen King is a very prolific... I mean, the man writes a thousand words every goddamn day of his life, so... Do you, I mean, he must still do that because he's still coming out with books. Oh, he's so. published so many books. It's very strange, but not strange. It's awesome. Yeah. Way to go, Steve. Right. But... I mean, um, if he writes a thousand words a day, that's a, that's a whole book. That's... Or, no, sorry. I was thinking pages. <laughs> uh, a thousand pages a yeah. day would be insanity. So, never that's, mind. But I'm I'm sure that's he... That's like five pages, a thousand words. Wow. Three but to yeah. three, maybe. Yes. Yeah. But it's, sorry. Go ahead. I'm interrupting your, no, your final thoughts. <laughs> I, I really struggled scoring this. I think, listen, the five-star dichotomy of scoring books, it just does not work for me Mm-mm. because... It's just, whenever I think about, I know that, like, exactly what you just said, trying not to compare it to books. I think in my brain, whenever I think about it, I'm like, well, I liked this book a ton. This is one of my favorites, and I gave it this. Mm -hmm. How does this stack up to how much I liked this? Mm -hmm. And so whenever I maybe don't enjoy a book as much as something else, then I feel like, well, I have to give it a lower score because I didn't enjoy this as much as I enjoy that. Right. But I don't know. It's hard because I this is much better than a three or a three and a half, which mm-hmm. you can't even give three and a halfs on Goodreads anyway. Right. But 
I think the only score that makes sense is a four out of five. Right. If uh, you want to switch to a 10 point system, we can do that. Because <laughs> yeah. we boss. That's true. We're not the Ullman here. We're the Derwent. Okay. We're like, the, we own, we own this. We're, we're the owners. <laughs> I think 10, the ability to go up to 10 is much more conducive to books because there's so much nuance but because then yeah something you love is like an eight or or is like a nine Mm -hmm. or nine and a half a ten and then this you're like this is really well written i would give this uh seven and a half or eight you know yeah exactly and it feels more true to your feelings about other books as well so it helps you balance that kind of thing either it's just it's crazy but no i think at first i was questioning like Am I actually enjoying this book mm-hmm. because of the the setup? And it felt like it took us a long time to get to, to actually just even get to the overlook. And then I felt I was expecting like more horror elements. Mm-hmm. But when you get to the end and that final conflict, it's more the realization that the supernatural elements obviously are there. But the biggest point is it's really like Jack against himself. Yeah. So when you're thinking about this is a slow descent into insanity, mm-hmm. it's very, it's handled very expertly as far as pacing once you get to the end. Right. The beginning makes sense. Right. Yeah. It, it's it's hard to not have an, a certain expectation with a book that has been made yeah. into movies and talked about yeah. and you have like a, and Stephen King has this he, reputation yeah. so it's hard to go into a book without like some preconceived notion exactly and i i feel the same way like all of that the i had the same feelings like this has taken a bit like i thought there'd be more mm-hmm. horror elements i thought there but by the end i was just like that was an excellent book yeah you know, and completely forgot like what I had expected and just loved what I ended up getting. Yeah. And that the really the end conflict, the way that those points of view are dispersed, the way that they're organized. Mm-hmm. We have when we have like the race of Halloran to get to the hotel and Wendy trying to fend off Jack while Halloran's trying so desperately to get there. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, all a huge culmination and literally explodes. Mm-hmm. It works really well. That's, yeah. like, so well-paced. Yeah. And uh, not everyone can pull that off. Right. That sort of pacing where... And it's kind of like... Uh, I've been really studying uh story structure recently Mm -hmm. how you like work your like your inciting incident your escalation your climax conflict and your resolution how you like work those in yeah and it really felt like the way that he dispersed his characters and then converged them back together Mm -hmm. was really expert level yeah, yeah. stuff because that's like really especially in a multi-pov that's what you're doing like yeah. this is where uh george r martin is really floundering is mm-hmm. because that's what he's done he's flung all of his characters at the beginning they're together mm-hmm. and he has flung them all apart yeah 
so that they're they're doing all of these different things and now he's at the point where he's got to bring them back together yeah. for the convergence and he cannot. Right. He can't figure out how to do that. Right. They've called it the Miranese knot in cuz oh. one of his characters is in a city called Marine and he can't figure out how to get her out of here so yeah. that she can be here with everyone else cuz yeah. she has to be. Yeah. So they've called it the knot nice. because he can't untie it. Yeah. That's, I mean, but, that's kind of like riding yourself into a corner. like Which, yeah. Which King really, I mean, it's like he had three characters in one place. Mentally, they were all in three different ways. Right. But, so, but still, it's mm-hmm. like for getting, even getting Halloran back. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I can see where that would be a very big struggle. I mean, Sarah J. Mass kind of had her character separated mm-hmm. out yeah. and pulled them back together really well. Tolkien I, does it too. Right. It's And for me, it's like it's done successfully also when I'm not sitting there going, okay, but what? I'm not in someone else's POV going, okay, but what's happening over yeah, there? exactly. I'm either, I mean, a little bit I was at the end of this, but just because it like would leave it, I'm like, oh, okay, but what does that mean for this? But mm-hmm. there's a difference between like, ugh, I don't want to be here right now. I'm learning nothing. I mm-hmm. just need to get back to the other thing that was keeping my interest. Yeah. You don't have that here. It's mm-hmm. like it, that kind of thing is done expertly when you're fully invested in each POV every time you're dropped in. And then when you get back to the other one, you're like, oh, oh, yeah. OK, cool. OK, yeah. we're, we're going back on this now, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, he's he's really he does it. He does it so well. And pacing is always very important Yeah, in any book that you're yeah. you're reading. You need the pace to be correct. But it's like this is. This vibe, it's not like, I don't read a lot of contemporary work, and I definitely don't read really any contemporary horror. Uh, So it's a genre that I'm not super familiar with, but what is consistent is that kind of uh, pace and how successfully multi-POVs are Mm -hmm. and how I am coming to realize that single POV or even first person where the main character is is the narrator, mm-hmm. like an Akatar yeah. would be first person, yeah. how that just is not, I'm just not drawn in like that. The right. exception, I think, would be Hunger Games. Yeah, yeah. I think that one, but I, I don't even think that's first person. I can't remember. It's been so now long. I'm, now I'm I'll have to. I need to revisit myself. those. Yeah, I um, reread them a couple of years ago and they held up then. Yeah. I'm now I'm questioning myself if that's first person or not. It is single POV, but I don't know if it's first person or third person because Harry Potter's like third person. Right, right. Dang. Even though we only get the internal thoughts of mostly Harry. Harry. But yeah, yeah. yeah. So just, it, it could be that. I can't remember. But yeah, either way, books that are first person just are not my gig. Yeah. Because, okay. yeah, it just, I don't know. I feel a little too boxed in and too, too limited. Yeah, too limited. I get that. So. Either way, very, very good. Uh, excellent intro into the contemporary horror genre. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's only down from here. Right. From what I can yeah. gather. I, I believe that we chose this one just because Caleb months he, ago yeah, was like, for your it. Halloween episode, can you please do The Shining? Obviously, we're past Halloween, but... <laughs> this is our Thanksgiving this episode. This is, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yep. Happy Thanksgiving family times. <laughs> oh man, but uh but yeah, so this was Caleb's recommendation, so I hope he's uh pleased with the result. <laughs> <laughs> this is like the second recommendation we've done. Yeah. And it is the first successful one. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> 
So excellent job. Yeah. So if you would like to send us a recommendation, please do so. Yeah. Uh, you know, please rate and review us. Yeah. We, uh, we're just over here talking about the things we consume for hopefully your enjoyment. Yeah. <laughs> Cause if you can't tell, we're having a blast. Yeah. I mean, so. this, we, we're going to be doing this either way. Right. So. Right. And, uh, you know, the tunes, the artwork, all that stuff, that, that's, that's all our hard work. And I don't know that we're putting our souls into it, but you know, our creativity. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're putting, we're putting some genuine effort in here. So yeah. yeah. Any, anything you'd like to share with us or just reach out to us. We'd, we'd love to hear from you. Absolutely. And until our next meeting, you got to keep regular if you want to be happy. And you also got to keep reading your books. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Bye.